wasn't working. Hello? All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the December 19th, 2017 Loudoun County Planning Commission public hearing. We'll now come to order. As is our custom, let us stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Welcome to the last meeting of the Planning Commission for the year. Any member of the public who wishes to speak for or against any item on the agenda this evening may do so. I'm sorry, before I start, we've made some changes to the agenda, and I'll tell you what those are, and then when it's time to come up in the agenda, I will notice, uh, notify them again. Uh, special exception 2015-0002, Happy Hounds Lodge in the Blue Ridge District uh, will be deferred to the January meeting due to notice requirements. Um, ZMAP 2016-0022, ZRTD 2016-0013, Special Exception 2016-0064, High Point East uh, will be deferred to another uh, uh, work session item. Um, all the rest of them we're going to go forward with. Uh, any member of the public who wishes to speak for or against any item on the agenda this evening may do so. I request that you sign up with the secretary who sits at the end of the day to my left. Fill out a speaker slip, um, which application you'd like to speak about, and indicate your name uh, as well. Uh, speakers may not speak on behalf of another individual. If you have a speech for somebody who is not in attendance, you may present that to the secretary, and she'll make copies for the Planning Commission. Letters may also be presented in advance and can be emailed to the Planning Commission at loudonpc at loudon.gov. We got quite a few this week. Um, in the interest of fairness uh, and based on the large number of speakers uh, that we have in the uh, room this evening, the public comments will be limited to two and a half minutes, um, unlike our usual three-minute time limit. Uh, you may speak at either podium, and because we have so many people in the room, if you hear your name as uh, being uh, speaking next, if you go to the empty podium, it will speed the whole process up. We're going to be here for quite some time. The speaker's podiums will digitally display your remaining time. At the end of your two and a half minutes, we would appreciate you summing up and yielding the floor. Individuals who identify themselves as representatives of citizens' organizations or civic associations may speak for up to six minutes, uh, provided that they submit a letter from the organization authorizing that individual to speak on their behalf. I would also like to remind all applicants to present the certification of notice to the recording secretary who sits at the end of the day before the public hearing starts on each application. Our procedure for public hearings are as follows. First, the staff will make a presentation. The applicant will then make a presentation. The Planning Commission will then uh, may ask questions. Uh, public comments will then be taken. After the public comments, the applicant may take up to five minutes for further comment or response, and then the staff may also provide a response should they uh, find it necessary. The Planning Commission public hearing starts at 6 p.m. It is the Planning Commission's policy not to take up any new items after 11.30 p.m., and the public hearing will adjourn no later than 12 a.m. The first item on this uh, agenda is disclosures. Uh, 
Commissioner Lloyd, do you have any disclosures? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Today I spoke with John Dix from Future Law on the Route 15 fuel and market application. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Sislieve. On Monday the 18th, I spoke with Kim Heiss of Washakluchi and John Dix of Future Law regarding the Leesburg North Landing. And today I had a conversation with Charlie Houston regarding the True North Data Center. Thank you, Commissioner Sisley. Commissioner Kearse. On uh, December 18th, I had a meeting with Lou Canonico and Stuart Miller and staff regarding the High Point East application. Thank you, Commissioner Kearse. Commissioner Jennings. Uh, <clears throat> Monday, December 18th, I met with John Dix and Kimberly Heiss regarding the Route 15 uh, convenience and gas station. Thank you, Commissioner Jennings. Commissioner Blackburn. On uh, Monday the 18th, I also met regarding the fuel and market on Route 15 with Chip Dix and Randy Minshew. Thank you, Commissioner Blackburn. Commissioner Priscilla. On December 18th, I had a discussion with Steve Womer regarding the Happy Hounds Kennel application. Thank you, Commissioner Priscilla. Commissioner Scheel. Yesterday, I met with uh, Chip Dix in regard to the uh, proposed gas station on Route 15 at Furnace Mountain and spoke with numerous people last week in regard to the uh, possible four-laning of Route 15 north to Montresor Road. Thank you, Commissioner Shield. Commissioner Barnes. Yes, I spoke briefly to uh, Avis from uh, Mom's Apple Pie about uh, Route 15 and also Bert Harrison. Uh, on Route 15. Thank you, Commissioner Barnes. Uh, for my disclosures, on Monday, December 18th, I spoke with former Planning Commissioner Gladys Lewis regarding the Route 15 CPAM. Uh, I spoke with Beck, Beth Erickson from Visit Loudoun regarding the Route 15 gas station and market. On, uh, I also spoke with Mark Hassinger uh, regarding Graydon Manor. Um, on Tuesday, uh, December 19th, I spoke with Packy Crown regarding Graydon Manor. I met with Randy Minshew and Chip Dix regarding the Route 15 fuel market. Um, and I um, had a discussion regarding the Defender Drive commercial application uh, in South Riding uh, with uh, Wendy Taylor from South Riding and Ed Smariga from uh, uh, the developer. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot his uh, company. Um, and that concludes my disclosures. Uh, our first application of the night uh, will be uh, special exception 2017-0014, Graydon Manor Kennel in the Catoctin District. Well, thank you, thank you Chairman Salmon, members of the Planning Commission. Um, uh, for your information, the applicant has provided the required affidavits of mailing and posting. This application is ready for action this evening. Um, item before you is a request for a special exception to permit a, an indoor-outdoor kennel in the Catoctin Election District. The subject site is a portion of the 131-acre Graydon Manor property, which is located just west of the town of Leesburg. Um, it joins the Route 7 bypass um, it's south of Children's Center Road and north of the WNOD Trail. Um, the parcels to the west, north, and south are planned for agricultural uses and zoned AR1, which permits agricultural and rural economy uses. 
Um, and the Fox Ridge neighborhood is located directly east across Route 7 um, and includes uh, approximately 200 medium density uh, single family homes. This proposal includes a 30,000 square foot kennel building and a 32,000 square foot outdoor kennel area. Um, this uh, special exception would permit up to 150 dogs and 60 cats to be boarded here. Um, and the kennel is proposed to adjoin uh, by an animal hospital that is proposed to be developed by right on the site. Um, just to give you all kind of the lay of the land here, this is what the site looks like today. Um, this is the site facing east towards Route 7, or not today when at a time when there are a few more leaves on the trees, but um, generally what it looks like. Um, this shows the site facing south toward the WNOD trail, and this shows uh, several of the modular classrooms and a storage shed that would be demolished um, were the kennel to be developed. Um, the primary compatibility concern in um, analyzing this application um, is noise. Um, again, the Fox Ridge community is located directly across Route 7, and the nearest home in that community is approximately 400 feet from the proposed site. Um, although um, staff feels that Route 7 serves as both a buffer and an auditory screen for potential noise impacts from the kennel use, um, staff believes that additional noise mitigation conditions are appropriate. As such, the applicant has agreed to several of these conditions um, to address these concerns. Um, first, the applicant uh, will have to demonstrate structural noise attenuation measures for this kennel building and the, uh, the outdoor play area as well that will minimize the noise to, um, impulsive noise to 55 dBA as measured at the property line with Route 7 closest to the proposed kennel site. Another condition would place limit of uh, 30 dogs uh, in the outdoor kennel area at any given time. Uh, third condition would prohibit dog use of the outdoor kennel area between the hours of 8 p.m. and 8 a.m., which would coincide with hours that traffic noise would be expected to be lower on Route 7. And in addition to these measures, there is an approximately 100-foot wide strip of trees between the kennel use and Route 7 um, that the applicant has agreed to maintain, which would provide additional screening of the kennel use um, from the residences across Route 7 at Fox Ridge. Um, another item of interest that I'd just like to briefly flag for the Commission's consideration has to do with utility service. Um, the Graydon Manor property is unique among properties in the rural policy area in that it has been served by a central wastewater utility since uh, the 1960s. Um, while the policies of the revised general plan prohibit extension of central utilities into the RPA, um, the codified ordinances actually require the use of central wastewater where it's available, so kind of an interesting contradiction there. Um, in this particular context, staff believes that tying in to the central utility is appropriate both from a practical perspective and also when considering the potential environmental impacts of uh, trying to develop an extensive on-site wastewater system for a use such as a kennel. Um, at the PC work session briefing last week, um, a number of you had questions about this application. Um, the first one had to do with uh, what the uh, zoning regulations were on the Graydon Manor property at the time that Fox Ridge was developed. Um, at that time, uh, the Graydon Manor parcel was zoned uh, A3, 
um, and a kennel use would have been a special exception use subject to Board of Zoning Appeals approval at that time. Um, there was a question about how the noise conditions of approval compare to the zoning requirements. Um, Section 5606, uh, Performance Standards for Kennels, um, does regulate a maximum impulsive noise of 55 dBA at the property line, although there's no, act, there's no requirement that the applicant actually proactively demonstrate that. So in this case, we're um, making sure that they demonstrate that they've undertaken the appropriate attenuation measures to um, achieve this standard um, rather than reacting to it later, uh, perhaps to a noise complaint. Um, there was another question um, whether the applicant would be amenable to using evergreen landscaping as an additional um, buffering mechanism, and I will defer to the applicant on that question. <clears throat> I do have two small updates to report since uh, you all received your packets. Um, staff has received in total now 18 comments on Lola regarding this application, um, pretty much all of which oppose, oppose the proposal on the basis of concerns about noise. Um, staff also received just today a referral from the Nova Parks Authority, um, which is the um, managing body of the WNOD Trail and the Rust Sanctuary just north of this site. And Nova Parks has stated that they pose no objection to this proposal. Um, staff does support a recommendation of approval for this application um, subject to the conditions of approval included in your packet. Um, this proposal is in line with rural policy area policies for rural economy uses uh, as outlined in the revised general plan. And as conditioned, staff believes that the compatibility concerns associated with this proposed use have been sufficiently addressed. Uh, that concludes my presentation, and I'm happy to answer any questions, and the applicant is also here and able to answer, answer questions. Great. Thank you, thank you Mr. Farron. Uh, does the applicant have a presentation? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. My name is Dave Colbert. I'm an attorney in Leesburg. I represent the applicant along with Packy Crown of Bowman Consulting. Uh, we frankly think that the staff report is uh, comprehensive, have no presentation uh, to make at this time but would be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Colbert. Um, can we work on that microphone? Thanks. It's, it's probably you, Mr. Colbert. Um, great, does the, uh, does the applicant, I'm sorry, does anybody have questions for staff or the applicant? Mr. Kearse. Um, so looking from the site of the kennel going eastward towards where the residences are, on the site, there's like a, a vegetative width of pretty fairly mature trees there now, right? Do you know what the, you know what the width of that tree stand is? It's approximately 100 feet wide. And then you cross Route 7, and it looks like there's another tree area along 7 before you actually get to the homes. Is that all? Do you know how wide that is? I don't have that information. But, but there is a, there's a wood that will remain, correct? Uh, yes, I believe it's not as substantial as on the side of the, uh, the subject site, but there, there are some trees there, sir. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kearse. Uh, Commissioner Barnes. Uh, yeah, I have a couple of questions on it. Uh, now, this area we're doing the special exception on is 0.7 acres. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, and they are proposing to build uh, 32,000 square foot of outdoor play area, 30,000 
square foot of kennel facilities. And if my math is correct, 0.7 acres is only 31,000 square foot. So that's what you're getting the special exception on, 31,000 square foot. How, how does that work? The math doesn't work for me. Uh, that's a great question. Frankly, I don't have a good response for you right now. It's right there. And I'm looking at your numbers. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to check the the math on that and check the site plan as well. Okay. If you could do that while we're in the middle of questions, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. Any other other questions, Mr. Barnes? Great, Mr. Shield. A uh, question for the applicant. Uh, that was brought up by the staff. Would you be willing to add a line or two lines of evergreens? And I can't tell you the species, but it's a type of evergreen that has a large, bushy base very close to the ground and grows to about 30 feet high. Would you be willing to add or would the applicant be willing to add those to the uh, greenery buffer that was shown on the slide? Uh, no, sir. We believe that there is more than adequate screening at this time with the existing 100-foot wide buffer as well as the fact that you've got Route 7 bypass and then trees on the additional side. Uh, having uh, conditions that, that really don't serve the function uh, is, is not something that we're willing to do. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shield, Commissioner Priscilla. For the staff, for the applicant, I know that um, we might not have the number, and intuitively it might have a sense, but do you have any idea of what the decibel would be at the neighborhood property line and the bypass um, without the kennel? Without the kennel, I believe the applicant has uh, taken some uh, noise measurements there. We've taken noise measurements on either side of Route 7, and it's 75 dBA on the west and 80 dBA on the east side of Route 7, the existing Route 7. That's, was that an average over the day, or was that peak, or do you have any idea? It, it was at a point in time, so I can get that information to you, though, specifically when it was taken. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner Blackburn. Uh, yeah, uh, for the staff, there w we received at least one, well, several letters, but one email from a citizen who referred to the value of homes declining based on information from realtors. Did 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 the um, Dulles Area Association of Realtors chime in on this application? Um, no, they did not provide a referral on this application, um, and we have not really done anything to study what the potential impacts on the property values would be um, from a kennel. So I'd be happy to look into that for you. That's though. fine. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you, Commissioner Blackburn. Other questions? Yes, Commissioner Sisley. I understand the site is served by uh, the town of Leesburg's uh, sewer. That's correct. Um, I read in the package that you have referral comments from the town of Leesburg and were those supportive of the application? Um, they have taken a neutral position on the application but um, according to some of the new policies in building and development 
um, the applicant will have to demonstrate um, affirmatively from the town of Leesburg that they have the capacity to serve this and that they are willing to serve this. It's a, called a will serve letter that's now being required for these types of applications that kind of cross jurisdictions. I, I understand. Mm -hmm. Just because of the, the location, the fact that the town ends right there, uh, has a boundary with the county right there at Route 7. Sure. Um, in, in the staff's report, it cites the fact that the site is served, um, or it makes note of the fact that the site is served by town's sewer. Every time I've ever seen the planning commission, or for that matter, a vote from the commission in the, or the uh, uh, council, at uh, Town of Leesburg, they've been unwilling to share service capacity of any sort, either water supply or uh, sewer, because they have jealously guarded their water treatment capacity uh, in anticipation that at some point in the near future they're going to have to make a, uh, a, a, a application for permission to increase their uh, water treatment facilities. Um, did you go into detail about that? Uh we did not. Um, they, uh, the town of Leesburg Utilities did provide us with a letter. They did not uh, indicate that they were in opposition to this, um, but uh, the applicant understands their responsibilities in terms of getting the town of Leesburg's approval to, to tie into the wastewater in this right. case. I, I understand and I appreciate staff's diligence in uh, seeking referral comments from uh, the town of Leesburg, but what because staff's position is predicated upon the supply of that sewer, uh, service. What happens to staff's opinion about approval or disapproval if the town of Leesburg did not supply sewer services to the site? Um, if the town of Leesburg were unwilling to supply uh, sewer services to the site, then the applicant would have to demonstrate that they could engineer the adequate on-site wastewater facilities to um, treat wastewater from a facility of this size and intensity. And with um, all possible respect, staff's report says that an on-site sewer treatment facility would be inadequate for this use. Um, not necessarily inadequate. It would be very. It would be very difficult to engineer something of that size for a, for this use. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Commissioner Sisley. Other questions of uh, staff for the applicant? Okay. Uh, we're now in public hearing. We have a large number of speakers, so if we could rotate the uh, podiums, that would be greatly appreciated. Our first speaker um, is Gary Judy from the Fox Ridge Homers Association, and you have uh, six minutes to speak on this application. Uh, following uh, Mr. Judy, uh, Lori Van Hook, Lori Van Hook uh, will be next. Thank you. My name is Gary Judy, and I'm the president of the Fox Ridge Homeowners Association Board of Directors. And I'd like to thank the Planning Commission for the opportunity to speak to you today about the concerns and opposition our community has to this special exemption request for Graydon Manor. Fox Ridge is a community of 208 homes located immediately across Route 7 from the proposed kennel build. Fox Ridge has been around since 1986. We have a diverse demographic of residents yet every single Fox Ridge resident the board has spoken to has opposed the kennel plan. To further illustrate the significant concern in our community, I'd like everyone that lives in Fox Ridge is able to make it out today to please stand. The primary reason for our concerns are noise considerations. I'll go into some detail about that here. Fox Ridge residents know better than anyone else the way that sound travels in and throughout our community. I'll give some examples. A couple years ago, a woman was lost and walking on the other side of Route 7 near the developer's property. She was yelling out for help. 
Residents throughout the community heard the woman as if she was in our yards. We eventually realized the woman was on the other side of the road. Another example, a little over a year ago, someone threw a triggered smoke detector next to Seven near the developer's property. Residents by Seven weren't able to sleep because of the noise. It sounded like it was right next to our houses. Eventually the device was found on the other side of Route 7. A final example are from weddings held at the Russ Manor House, which is right next to the developer's property. When music is played during those events, it sounds like it is in our community and it is very loud. On some occasions, we've had residents driving around Fox Ridge looking for the house that was making the noise, only to discover it was coming from rust. The special exemption is to approve a kennel for up to 150 dogs and 60 cats. A yelling person, like the woman mentioned, typically gives off 80 to 90 decibels of sound. A typical wedding DJ, like the one at Rust, typically gives off about 80 to 90 as well. A sound of a dog barking gives off between 60 to over 110 decibels, depending on the dog and the situation. The sounds in and around the kennels are typically reported uh, throughout the country to being around 95 to 115 decibels. And based on common sense, there's a reason to strongly review the noise pollution remediation measures that are being offered in the proposal. The kennel is being proposed for an area of the 131-acre Grayson Manor property around 400 feet from Fox Ridge properties. The kennel itself, to quote a Loudoun County staff report, sits, quote, slightly elevated above the homes in the Fox Ridge development, unquote, that further exacerbates noise concerns. The association, so the application for the inside of the kennel includes modern noise reduction technology, which is appreciated. However, the outdoor dog exercise yard will have up to 30 dogs at any given time. Those dogs are in a geographical position roughly equivalent to the yelling woman and the triggered smoke detector. The dogs, however, are capable of much greater noise. In the initial application, the existing trees on both sides of Route 7 and the existing traffic noise is all that was planned to mitigate dog noise from the outdoor yard. Let's address both those points here. First, the trees near Fox Ridge off of Route 7 were not sufficient to remove noise in the past. In many areas of Fox Ridge, such as directly behind my house, the large trees that once stood behind the property have died and have not been sufficiently replaced by VDOT. As for the existing traffic noise, those past noise disturbances I mentioned and many more have happened despite Route 7. Let's not forget the fact that traffic noise is a white noise setting on devices and barking dogs certainly is not a setting. Those two are not similar sounds. Since the public informational meeting, the county and the developers have added some minimal provisions to the proposal as a response, I assume, to the massive pushback from residents. One addition was to add a fence of at least eight feet by the dog entrance yard. The materials for the fence were not defined. The Fox Ridge Board of Directors see this addition as an appreciated and a positive step in the right direction. However, we're concerned that there are not fuller details supplied in writing for the construction of the fence. A standard fence of a height of only eight feet would not alleviate enough of the dog noise, especially with the property's relative elevation. Furthermore, the developers have to abide by the county's 55 decibel guidelines at the edge of their property. Let's be honest though, that would be hard, if not impossible, to enforce after construction. Fox Ridge residents don't have decibel meters. We have to call the county over and over and over for readings, and that would be not in the best interest of us or the county. As a result of noise concerns, our residents have expressed concerns about their property values. Residents would want to sell their homes if Kendall was built, which would create an oversupply of houses with too little demand. We've spoken to local realtors who have assured us that property values would decrease. So looking quickly at the economic impact if a kennel is built, 
We have 208 homes in Fox Ridge. The average sale price over the past year is 395K. If housing values went down just 5%, that is $4.1 million in taxable values lost by the county. Went down 10%, that's $8.2 million, and you get the gist. None of this considers the impact to Rust, where weddings would have to be happening with a kennel nearby. To summarize, it's the position of the Fox Ridge Board of Directors that if a kennel is built based on the current proposal, it would lower the quality of life for our residents and tank Fox Ridge housing values. Would all of the residents that agree with this position please stand? And to quickly conclude, there's one important question to ask all of you on a personal level. If this kennel proposal was issued for next to your yard or next to your community, would you be excited about it and want to vote to recommend its construction? Would you be apprehensive and concerned about potential noise issues and want to create a planning commission working session to clarify measures for the outside dog yard? Or would you be opposed to the plan and vote to not recommend it? Thank you very much for the time. It's appreciated. Thank you, Mr. Judy, and thank you for your service to your community. Thank you. Our next speaker is Lori Van Hook, followed by Sarah Gallagher. Thank you. I'd like to thank the Planning Commission for letting me speak. I'm a homeowner in Parkview Estates, and while we echo everything that Fox Ridge says, I'd also like to ask not just everybody from Fox Ridge, but there are residents from other neighborhoods here who are opposed to this, and I would like everybody to stand who's opposed to this application. My points are simple, and I'm basically going to reiterate much of what he says, and so I probably won't need the rest of my time. The noise issue, noise carries, and we are a small neighborhood, but I believe that we will be as affected as Fox Ridge will be. Enforcement is going to be very difficult, as the previous speaker just mentioned. I've been a homeowner in Parkview Estates for four years, and I have noticed an increased significant significant increase in the amount of noise coming off of Route 7, and this is because of development. So there are wider development issues that have to be taken into account as far as the whole county goes, and there's a reason that we have zoning, and there's, yes, there's a reason you apply for exceptions, but I don't think the broader picture can be ignored. For Parkview, we're also very concerned about traffic. Children's Center Way cannot handle the level of traffic that you're talking about that's going to get, not just for an animal hospital is one thing, but when you have a kennel, that's something else. And it's going to really get, and we have children on these roads, not my children, my children are grown, but there's a lot of kids around these areas. Cars speed up and down these roads. Cars speed up and down Catoctin already. That 25 mile an hour zone, many people ignore. And so there's going to be a lot more traffic congestion, not just on Children's Center Way, but I also believe on Catoctin. And I'd like to echo what the previous speaker said about property values. Declining property values means declining tax revenue. Then there's going to be pressure on the county to lower the tax rate. And with the congressional bill that's passing today, and it's going to be signed into law, there's going to be a lot of pressure around to lower state and local income taxes even further. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Van Hook. Our next speaker is Sarah Gallagher, followed by Blair Ring. Good evening. My name is Sarah Gallagher, and I live in Fox Ridge. I'm going to, I had a speech ready, but Gary, Judy, and the other lady said everything that probably I need to say. However, I want you to know that I can see the site from my house. The trees are not that thick, never have been that thick. And because the site is much higher, we can see from my house where the site would be. I never noticed it before, but since this came about, now I noticed. 
I was one of the people that heard the, uh, the lady or the young child screaming, and that was a, quite a concern to us. Um, I feel that eventually the number of trees that they showed on their pictures will come down, and then there will be no barrier at all. The sound travels there. I can't tell you how much the sound travels there, and I would like, if anything, for somebody to come to our homes and maybe listen to what we would hear or to hear how these dogs would be barking. 150 dogs is a lot of dogs. 30 dogs outside at one time is just a lot. Our dogs will hear it. They will start barking, which they do anyway. But when you have that many dogs barking, that's hard. I live right on the property that would be affected, and I please ask you to consider what I have to say. Um, again, you're invited to come, look at my house, hear what, what we hear, and maybe make a decision then. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ms. Gallagher. Our next speaker is Blair Ring, followed by Claire Hutchinson. Hello, my name is Blair Ring, and I am a resident of the Fox Ridge neighborhood. I have lived there for nine years now, and I currently serve on the HOA Board of Directors as Vice President. My home is one of the closest homes to the proposed kennel. Earlier, Gary Judy shared his concerns, all of which I wholly support, and you don't need me to repeat them to you. It seems that what is a potential benefit for one business owner is a larger detriment to the overall community. I am struggling to understand why a zoning exception would be granted in this case. Please vote not recommend its passing to the Board of Supervisors. Thank you, Ms. Ring. Our next speaker, Claire Hutchinson, followed by Debbie Lavec. Good oh, evening. Olavec, sorry. Good evening, and thank you for the opportunity to be here to present um, our, not just Fox Ridge, but our community um, opposition to the kennel um, proposal. And it, it I, I think, is uh, a surprise to a lot of us that have lived in Loudoun County for so many years and been protected by the zoning and planning strict guidelines and rules that this was a possibility that this impact from a noisy boarding dog kennel um, and daycare, dog daycare as well, uh, is being approved or considered for approval really was a surprise to me. And, and I don't think um, I would be here tonight if I thought it was going to be just something that we could live with um, in Fox Ridge or Parkview. And I'm also a, a huge fan of Russ Sanctuary and the wildlife there will be affected for sure not not to mention just walking there and having to to um, listen to dogs barking I love dogs I have many dogs and and I walk dogs all the time in our neighborhood and um, I appreciate the idea of a kennel but I don't think it's the proper use for something so close to a residential area Thanks so much for the opportunity to speak tonight. Thank you, Ms. Hutchinson. Our next speaker, Debbie Holovac, and thank you for telling me how to pronounce it because nobody else does that. Uh, no, that's next... okay. Nobody can pronounce it. It's Holovac. There we go. So <laughs> point taken. And our speaker after that will be Maggie Steinhelper. Thank you. Thanks. I'm super nervous, so excuse me if my voice is shaking. Um, I've been in Fox Ridge for 17 years. I'm a homeowner there, and um, my home is the single biggest investment that I have. And I'm very, very worried about the noise of a kennel. Um, we already deal with the noise of the bypass, which is, has obviously increased over the last 17 years. No more trees have been placed, and no sound barriers have been put up. 
Um, and so it's hugely concerning to me. And on another level, I work from home. And my office window directly looks at the property. I can see my lot right there across from where those dogs are going to be. And um, unfortunately, I work between the hours that the dogs are going to be outside. And I work with international clients that I already have to deal with trying to get them on Skype or WhatsApp or whatever way I can communicate with them. And dealing with barking dogs would just add another layer of trouble to my job. Um, I fully support everything that everyone said before me. And I really appreciate the opportunity um, to speak and hope that you consider not approving the special exception. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. And our next speaker will be Maggie Steinhelper, followed by Laura Purvis. Hi. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. My name is Maggie Steinhelper, and I've been a Fox Ridge resident for about 18 years now. I'm opposed to the Graydon Manor Kennel special exception. I agree and support the previous speakers on the impacts this kennel would have on our community. I agree that property values, taxes, traffic, and noise will all bring about a negative impact to our community with this proposed kennel. I'd like to voice another concern, which is the disruption to nature and nature walks throughout the Fox Ridge parks, the Rust Nature Sanctuary, and the WNOD Trail. No longer will we be able to enjoy the serenity of the forest, hearing the birds, and the healing that nature provides for our modern, busy, hustle and bustle world. Barking dogs being heard throughout the community will be a detriment to our way of life. The bottom line is this kennel is too close to our densely populated residential neighborhoods and would negatively impact our entire community. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Steinhelper. Our next speaker, Laura Purvis, followed by Natalie Hennelsman. We'll go with that. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Laura Purvis. I have been living in Fox Ridge since 2009. I've been in Leesburg residence uh, for 15 years. I've been teaching in Loudoun County for 29 years, and I'm currently the department chair at Tuscarora High School for English. Um, when I first got the notice that there was going to be a kennel, perhaps, built across Route 7, I wasn't really all that concerned about it because I just figured they would be building it way back at the top of that hill, back by all those other trees. And when I saw the site plan, I was aghast to think that they were putting it as close to the road as they are. I was one of the people who, along with Gary and Susan Judy, heard that horrible smoke alarm that one, it seemed like two or three days, it was actually a day that we were trying to determine where that sound came from. And to think that we could hear that small sound, then it was so disruptive to our nights of sleep, um, just really makes me worry for what will happen when we have that many dogs outside, not to mention when the dogs start barking and they get the dogs in our neighborhood going. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about the sound. I'm concerned about the property values. I'm concerned about the quality of life. And I sincerely hope that you will give consideration to not approving the special exception. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Ms. Purvis. Our next speaker is Natalie Hulsman, followed by... Uh, Scott Drummond. 
Good evening, and thank you for this opportunity to speak. My name is Natalie Hulesman, and I've been a Fox Ridge resident for 22 years. Areas are zoned in a specific fashion in order to protect residential communities. And allowing such a huge kennel to be built in such an area close, so close to Fox Ridge, um, it's amazing to me that something of this size is being considered in such close proximity to a residential area. And so the noise is going to be so disturbing and disruptive to our lives in Fox Ridge that I echo what several other speakers have said, that it's, it's definitely going to adverse, adversely affect our lifestyle. We don't want to lose the qualities that we enjoy living in our community. And the noise level will certainly disrupt our lives and get in the way. It is also going to adversely affect our property values, and that is concerning as well. So allowing one person's desire to build a business that will disrupt the lives of hundreds of people, to me, is so unacceptable. So please, we all ask you to reconsider and, and really look at all of our concerns and not accept this proposal. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Holzman. Our next speaker is Scott Drummond, followed by Vince Ostrander. Good evening. My name is Scott Drummond of Fox Ridge 474. Uh, when I first moved here in 2012 with my family, we uh, had a lot of household effects. We needed to rent a community uh, place to store things. We did so over by FA at CubeSmart. Uh, well, I was there often and frequent because I had 20,000 pounds of stuff to move in and out uh, morning, noon, and late afternoon. Uh, I was constantly barraged by dogs barking and howling uh, pretty much all the time to the point to where it was an annoyance, and I felt bad for anyone that lived in the area. I was new to the area, so I didn't know necessarily, but... As it turns out, uh, later on I found out that the old mill, old mill uh, kennel is right across the woods. So down the hill, about 500 uh, feet, uh, a rough approximate distance to where this will be uh, in approximation to Fox Ridge. That sound came through the thicket of trees, fully uh, foliaged, 300 feet, clear as day. Sound propagates really well. Part of the reason is, is because it's downwind. So uh, the location of Olkin Mill to the CubeSmart storage area is an east by northeast direction. For us, it's an east by southeast direction. One of the considerations I haven't heard is the wind uh, driving the sound, which is going to amplify that sound, blow it straight across Route 7, and cause it to be heard throughout the neighborhood. I thank you for the gentleman earlier on clarifying where the music comes from hauntingly in our neighborhood all the time. <laughs> I had no idea, but now I do. Um, anyways, so, and also I noticed uh, that Route 7, you know, it's not really, well, you call it a screening. It's, it doesn't stop sound. It just makes things louder. It's not going to stop the dogs, and I do agree that they bark at a different frequency. That's going to come across as well and be very annoying. So uh, one of the other things that I haven't heard necessarily is uh, consideration for the environment in the aspect of uh, there's going to be a lot of waste generated, it's going to be outside. There's going to be a lot of urine, a lot of fecal matter, and that sun-baked odor is going to drift across. Again, we're downwind of that. I don't want to be part of that. There's also infestation, flies, rodents, cockroaches. Everything goes into that. And when it's outside, not contained indoors, it's a serious consideration. So 
Um, anyone that doubts that particular aspect of it need only visit the Rustin Animal Zoo in the summer and partake in that, uh, that odor. So I guess where I'm going with this is I don't think necessarily, speaking for myself, but anyone in here is opposed to the kennel. I think what we're opposed to is the concern that the sound of barking dogs, the environmental impact, the smell, the infestation potential has not been fully vetted, not been fully considered in a way that would mitigate those circumstances. So I appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Mr. Drummond. Our next speaker, Vince Ostrander, followed by jo uh, Jeff Van Gilder. Good evening. Uh, I've been a resident in Fox Ridge for approximately two years now, and uh, I live right um, up against Route 7, and uh, the noise is already too high, and, and everybody in Fox Ridge would agree with that, as, as you've already heard. Um, but what I ha I'm, I'm only going to talk about what I haven't heard yet. So uh, Loudoun County is a very big county with a lot of country land. I don't understand why this is even being considered when you can put it way out in the countryside, Percyville, Brown Hill, whatever, um, why would we even consider that putting this next to the Leesburg city limits? Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and then <clears throat> another thing is disease. What if uh, uh, a dog is comes down with something and infects the, the whole thing and then it comes across into the residence? Um, I don't know if that's been discussed. Uh, I know probably uh, once every two weeks in the middle of the night, the police patrol that area quite heavily. They pull somebody over, and then you wake up to blue strobe lights in your bedroom. So along with that noise, that would wake the dogs up, and now we got a concert. Um, I am a, a, a certified realtor as well. And I guarantee you, it would bring down the property value within uh, all of those communities that you see there. Uh, other than that, I don't have anything else to say, but I am strongly opposed to the kennel uh, being considered or approved for that location. Great. Thank you, Mr. Ostrander. Our final speaker is Jeff Van Gilder. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jeff Van Gilder. I live at 201 Wild Turkey Way in Leesburg. That's in the Parkview Estates area, as represented on your map. I'm opposed to the approval of a special exception being sought for the kennels to be located upon the property commonly referred to as Graydon Manor. The area along Children's Center Road southwest within corporate Leesburg included an on includes an enclave of 20 single-family homes and a county vocational technical school scheduled, as I understand it, uh, to become the home of a county alternative school in 2018. Upon review of the relevant information available on Lola and my attendance at the information presentation by the applicants on November 29th, it is my assessment that noise and traffic would have a detrimental impact on me and the inhabitants of my home and those in nearby residential properties. I echo my neighbor's concerns regarding noise traveling across property boundaries. I appreciate the intricate noise reduction engineering being represented by the applicants, but know that engineering will not abate the noise of barking dogs located outside of the facility. I also know that even the best intentions of the applicants, the establish establishment of policies to limit noise will have varied impact at best, 
and could become null with the passage of time and changes in facility management practices. The effective enforcement of noise complaints after the approval process uh, is, would be complete is not ideal and leaves those in the wake of the noise left to live with it or move. Traffic along Children's Center Road in Catoctin Circle and Wild Turkey Way has increased based upon my observations over the last 17 years living there. Traffic volume and sight distance, particularly during school hours with emphasis during start and end times, will likely coincide to some extent with customer drop-off and or pickup at the applicant's proposed facility. This situation adds to an already increased potential for safety conflicts on a dead-end road that I never anticipated could become so traveled. It's my understanding that there's no requirement to create an alternative access point to the applicant property not located within the town of Leesburg uh, uh, as part of the uh, uh, access to the property, but maybe there are options. The, applicant, uh, are, the applicants are represented by professional planners, engineers, consultants, zoning and procedural experts, attorneys, and perhaps others. I'm here along with my neighbors representing myself and my property interest in response to a statutory notification by the applicant, and I will be affected by the proposed application if approved. I'm thankful the code provides for the disclosure, and I have this opportunity this evening. I ask that you deny the applicant's special exception in totality as its approval will negatively impact the dignity and repose of my community and create a negative consequence for the quality of life for me and my family as well as my neighbors for future generations to come. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Van Wilder. Mr. Van Wilder is the last speaker that has um, already signed up to speak. Are there any other members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Yes, if you could please come to the podium, uh, state your name uh, before you speak, and when you're done, if you could fill out a speaker slip on the uh, uh, desk to your right. Uh, it's a requirement for notice. Thank you. Sure. Um, my name is Dana Hunter. I live in Fox Ridge, um, and I don't like dogs at all. Um, <laughs> my kids are begging for one for Christmas. My husband's playing me videos of children opening puppies on Christmas Day. I don't like dogs. But that aside, I do love the people that own dogs, and those are the people that will be going to, or hopefully, no offense, not going to this kennel because I am strongly opposed to it. Um, I think dogs are wonderful. I think the dogs in our community are wonderful. I'm sure the dogs that go to this will be wonderful. Um, but what's not so wonderful is when you get all the dogs together, they're like children. I have five. I know what I'm talking about. So if I brought my five children here to this meeting and let them play around, I just want you to imagine them as dogs and multiply that by six and put that outside your backyard. Um, everybody's laughing because they know I'm right. Um, anyway, I just, um, I appreciate you giving us all the time here to talk. I think everything that could be said has been said. I just couldn't sit there and not say anything because I am truly strongly opposed to this plan. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Hunter. Are there any member, other members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Yes, sir. If you could please come up, state your name, uh, provide your comments, and fill out a speaker slip when you're done. Good afternoon, everybody, and good night. Hopefully shortly here, shortly after we let you all go. Um, my name is Troy Royson. I've only been in Fox Ridge for two years. Um, my neighbors have been here for a lot longer than I have. But when I looked at Fox Ridge, we spent, uh, my future wife spent a tremendous amount of time trying to find a house where we could raise a family. 
and have a childhood of peace, quiet, having the nature around, being able to take our dogs on hikes, taking our kids on hikes, and growing up and raising a family in that community. We made that investment in that decision then. To have something like this impact that decision that we spent so much time for and where we envisioned raising our family is unacceptable. As taxpayers, and also somebody that works at home, I think it's unacceptable, unacceptable to essentially have zoning that close. I appreciate all y'all's time tonight. I appreciate everybody that has spoke here tonight for my community, and I echo the same things. So I would greatly appreciate you deny this potential business to go as close as it is to our homes. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mr. Royston. Please fill out a speaker slip over by the desk. Mr. Royston, I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. Uh, are there any other members of the public? Uh, the one in the third row, then the one in the second row. Name, speaker slip, I think we got it. Got it. Good evening. My name is Matthew Kaufman, and like so many of my neighbors, I live in the Fox Ridge community. And I think listening to the presentation, which focused solely on decibels, knowing what the county's uh, budgetary issues are, the biggest problem I see with this special exemption going through is decrease in property values of 280 homes right there, not accounting the ones that border W and OD Trail off of Dry Mill Road that would be impacted as well. When you're talking 5 to 10% property value decreases, that's not just a one-time thing. That's a continuous year assessment value that's being lost. There's no kennel that is going to be large enough or able to charge enough to stay in business to make up for that lost revenue. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thanks, sir. If you could fill out a speaker slip over on the desk. And uh, the second gentleman in the second row. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Dan Mano. And actually, I live in Ashton Downs, which is across Catoctin Circle. And I want to reiterate kind of the noise level. I can hear the music, and I'm 400 feet from their neighborhood, so I can hear it clear as day. So the noise level, it's going to carry. It's going to carry past them. Um, and Catoctin Circle, the road is not geared for business. Uh, it's already dangerous because I have to cross it trying to go in and out of the neighborhood. And when I try to make a left in the neighborhood, people aren't doing speed limit. So it's, it becomes a little dicey. And if you try to hike, like we go up to the uh, Russ Sanctuary to hike and trying to cross the road itself, especially uh, during school times when the, there's a lot of traffic there already. And it gets a little hairy because you've got a lot of buses um, that are slower <laughs> and you've got a lot of cars that are speeding. So the, the two don't mix very well already. And I don't see a remedy for the road in this at all. So i just like to kind of read a reiterate whatever was said here, and it goes beyond just those two neighborhoods. It's kind of a, that road itself is kind of a, a needs looking at in general anyway. Uh, so that's all. Good night. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Mano. If you could fill a speaker slip over at the desk, you can just go straight across. Uh, are there any other members of the public that would like to speak? I think I saw a hand in the very back, and then the gentleman over here second. My name is Todd Bedeker, and this is Arabella Bedeker. She wanted to say a few things and participate in our local government system. It's just not the right thing to just build a dog kennel right 
here in our neighborhood. It's just not the right thing because it'll be too loud and it'll hurt everybody's ears. We'll keep everybody out up the whole night and it'll just be too loud. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Miss Becker. Thank you for speaking. My name is Brad Drager, and I actually live on the other side of Route 7 behind the Church of the Nazarene, and they say never follow children or animal acts. Um, <laughs> however, the um, Russ Sanctuary is contiguous property to mine, and we do hear tremendous noise, and I have uh, a text message that goes out to Paul McRae, the runner of the Russ Sanctuary, when the beating of the bass gets too loud and he does respond. Uh, but I have a concern because the owner of this property actually is a contiguous property in Shenstone when he purchased 131 acres. And I find the location, the siting, very interesting because it's as far away from his house as he could make it. And it seems like there's a lot of other places on that property that that kennel could be located. So I'm kind of asking rhetorical questions. I'm very opposed to the site. I already am dealing with the weddings that get out of control through too much alcohol and they, you know, they bribe the DJ to pump up the sound. Um, but the issue is these dogs, 150 of them, why is the, what's the master plan for 131 acres? Will there be other exceptions coming back on this same property? Is there a master plan? And what role does the Planning Commission have in asking that question of this owner? What is the ultimate plan for this entire 131 acres? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Please fill out a speaker slip. Yep. Um, great. Are there any other members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Uh, Ma'am in the very back. Hi, I'm Heidi Lom Huber, and I live at 402 Deerpath Avenue in Fox Ridge. I, re I just agree with everything that everyone else has said, particularly the little child who was up here. Um, but something that hasn't been spoken about is the impact on the school. When the school reopens, they're going to be having classes with children and teachers there when the dogs will be outside. And if you look at where the site is, it's just right across the street. That, that carries right through the building right into the school. So at what point will we have to revamp the school so that it's soundproof so that the children can actually learn and be taught? Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Humer. Uh, are there any other speakers uh, that would like to speak on this application? Seeing none, the public hearing is now closed. Does the, uh, I'm sorry, Ms. Humer, if you could fill out a speaker slip. Uh, does the applicant wish to take up to five minutes? I have nothing to add at this time. Thank you. Great. Does staff would like staff like to address any other <coughs> comments? Yes. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Barnes, for keeping us on our toes. Uh, the site is indeed at 0.7 acres, 30,000 square feet. We went and reviewed the materials again. It says up to either of those uses being up to the full area of the acreage. So, in other words, you would not get 60,000 square feet of of, of an outdoor and indoor kennel on the site, it would be it would be up to the applicant to determine how much would be outdoor and how much would be indoor. Does that make sense? So, 
52,000 square foot mm -hmm. of running, and the property itself is much smaller than that, and then addition to 30,000 more. So how it's going to be done, two, you, you're talking about two different areas. I can read it, and I can tell you see what. Um, Understood. I see. If you look on the plat, on the special exception plat, yeah. it allows up to of either ward. They would not be allowed to exceed the acreage of the site. That would be a self-limiting. No, so and they'll be able to do why both. Why don't we get the exact amount of square footage they're going to build? If okay. they can't build 32,000 square foot, yeah. why they are proposing it? Would the they were allowing flexibility to change between the two, but it's certainly something we can discuss with the applicant if we need to narrow the gap. I see the total area is 31,000. Understood. Now they want, they're proposing 32,000 square foot. How can it, how can it be? Let's see if the uh, applicant would like to address that, Mr. Colbert. Well, at this point in time, I think staff's adequately answered the question. It, it really is not a combination of the two, uh, but an alternative. And, you know, obviously we're not going to design an engineer site uh, in advance of the approval. So, uh, so let me, if I if I if I can paraphrase, you have you're going to provide between zero and 100 percent of the property as indoor, and provide zero to 100 percent of the rest as outdoor. You're just not sure what the what the splits are at this point. It, correct. It'd be a combination. Right. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think we're also, and staff can correct me, uh, the property lines for this site are not the special exception boundary is not a property line, so calculation of area and density and so on, I think which is what you're getting to, uh, is going to be calculated on something other than the special exception boundary. They have to stay within the boundary for their total use, but uh, the calculation of density and so on will be on the property. See, I have never seen an application coming in like this with 31,000 square foot and they're proposing 60,000, 62,000 square foot of area that they, they're going to convert. I've never seen one like that. Have you? It may not be, as they've said, because both sides have said, it may not be the full 62,000. 0.7 acres yeah. is the special exception, and that's the only right. area they can use for what they right. want to do. Right. Not any more than that, not even a foot more so, than that. And so, as they've said, the combination of the two indoor-outdoor spaces will total what is inside the special exception boundary. But that's what I would like to know, how, what it is. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'd like to know, what, what, what they're proposing. See, they, if they're proposing that, and I, I don't know what the proposal is then. I got to know that before we vote on it. Thank you. Mr. Uh, Snyder, do you have other comments? We can sort of cut you off. Uh, n no other comments at this time. Thank you. Okay. All right. Uh, are there other? Well, at this point, uh, we can uh, take this to Commissioner Shield. This is in the Catoctin District. Uh, if you'd like to make a motion, we can ask any additional questions after that. Mr. Chairman. Yes, Mr. I Sisson. believe the commission deserves comments before we seek a motion. Sure. Would you like to make some comments? Would like to make some comments. That'd be great. <laughs> I thought that might be your answer. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a hint. Um. I still have, I have big concerns about the town of Leesburg continuing to service the site with um, sewer service given the potential negative impact on uh, accelerating the uh, uh, retirement of capacity on the current water treatment facilities. Um, that's the primary thing. Uh, 
the traffic on uh, Children's Center Drive, I, sorry, I don't buy the traffic estimates. Um, 150, I know people that have dogs. I know Children's Center Drive extraordinarily well. I know people will drop off their dogs every, and pick them up every single day. It's part of doggy daycare or whatever the deal is. I just don't believe that Children's Center Drive has the capacity to handle um, <clears throat> much above its current um, traffic load. But the bigger concern regarding uh, traffic is the coincidence between the school operations um, and drop-off for pets and rush hour on Catoctin Circle. I lived in the neighborhood. I'm very familiar. It's difficult for the kids to cross the street even uh, because somehow people that drive cars don't believe they should yield to children in the traffic lanes. Um, and the math doesn't work for me. I'm kind of echoing uh, part of what my fellow commissioner uh, was saying a drop in property values is not made up by the commercial tax revenues generated by the kennel. And I believe that is a concern of both the county and the town of Leesburg. And the town of Leesburg should be recognized as a part of the county. Uh, those are my comments. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sisley. Are there any other questions or comments? Mr. Priscilla. I just wanted to address one question, perhaps rhetorical, that someone brought up. Why isn't it built out in the country? you know, the western part, because it has the same zoning as this property. It's AR1. A kennel is permitted, but not by right, by special exception. So when folks were a little upset that it's even being considered, that's because legally it's allowed to be considered, just as it would be out west. Thank you, Mr. Priscilla. Other questions? Yes, Commissioner. I'll get to Mr. Scheel in a moment, Mr. Uh, Jennings. I just have one for staff, uh, and you may not know the answer at all, but... <clears throat> Um, have there been, are we aware of any complaints, or maybe zoning knows, any complaints uh, lodged with the old milk kennel, particularly to the regions on Lawson and Beauregard Lanes, which are about 500 feet across the W and OD? I'd, I'd also like to know what the frontage, I, I bite that a lot. I, I believe there's something in the order of 40 or 50 uh, pens that are directly west-facing to those residences, and I'm curious what the experience is in that area. I'd be happy to look into that for you. I don't have that information on hand right now. Thank you. Great. Mr. Scheel. My initial question to the staff was this. When Fox Ridge was initiated, would a kennel have been allowed in the agricultural district that we are talking about now? And he said, no, only by special exception. And a homeowner really cannot take into account the plethora of special exceptions that could take place. I am deeply disappointed that the applicant will not adhere to a buffer of evergreens that would lessen the noise considerably and also lessen the visual impact considerably. I was also not aware of the strength 
of the opposition to this proposal by the people. And I have always been a person that believes that when the people are against something or come out in mass to question something that the people should be listened to. And so therefore, I am going to uh, put this uh, question of approval or disapproval to a work session, and I recommend that. Thank you. Second. Um, okay. I think we need a formal we need a formal motion for that. If that's what your motion is, there's a motion in your board book. I move that the Planning Commission forward special exception 2017-0014 Graydon Manor Kennel to a Planning Com Commission work session for further discussion. Second. Motion made by Commissioner Scheel, seconded by Commissioner Sicily. Um, the items that you would like to have discussed in the work session are, can we have a list? I would like to have the question of the buffer that I mentioned discussed. Okay. And I also brought this up to the staff that I was wondering with all the sophistication that is available in regard to noise abatement, whether there couldn't be some technical means for accurately determining the uh, noise from, say, 20 or 30 barking dogs at uh, 8 o'clock in the evening or 11 o'clock in the morning to really find out what the noise situation is because uh, decibels don't mean a thing to me. <laughs> Okay. Are there other items that we, we'd like to discuss at work session, Commissioner Sisley? Yeah, I would like to get the town to weigh in on whether or not they, they will continue to serve the site with sewer. Um, and then there were also, um, there were other unanswered questions at that end of the dais. I believe, Commissioner I, uh, I, I'd like to know exactly what size their facility is going to be, since they have only 31,000 square foot of area. That's a special exception they're asking for. So I would like to see the exact sizes of their kennels and runners, whatever the run they're going to have. They sure can't have 32,000 square foot run on the 31,000 square foot total land that they want the exception on. Okay. Commissioner Blackburn. Uh, yeah, since we heard so much about uh, dropping uh, property values, um, I kind of have a hard time believing that in a county that is in desperate need of single-family detached units. So could we maybe get the uh, Dulles Area Association of Realtors to um, give their opinion? Thank you. And Commissioner Scheel. Or, sorry, Commissioner Kears. Um, so a question about the transportation number trips. Uh, Commissioner Sicily had some concerns about the numbers that were in the report. 
Um, I'm just wondering if maybe the applicant can give us an idea based on the number of animals what the typical usage is. I think most of the time in kennels it's people that drop off for a week, not back and forth every day, but the sheer number of potential animals that kind of like to get a sense of what they see that movement looking like. And um, is, what Commissioner Byron said, I understand they want, they're, they're giving themselves flexibility with the site. You got this much square footage. You don't want to, you know, nail yourself down to this much will be building, this much will be the pen area. But what I would like to know is you've, if you could come up with any is how you can orient where the outdoor kenneling would be in relation to the building. And by that, I mean if the building is the closest to Route 7 and the kenneling is behind that, you've got another whole building that would help block the sound. So I wonder if there's any commitments yet to the actual layout, even if you don't know the exact size, where the kennel, the outdoor runs would be in relation to the building on the site. Okay. Any other questions, Commissioner Buckman? We had a question by Commissioner Kierce um, during the briefing. He was asking how many dogs were residents in the neighborhood. Um, could I get the uh, HOA President Gary Judy to bring back that information for us? I, I'm suspecting there's more than 30 dogs. How many? No, no, I'm talking no, no. about dogs in, in the, the neighborhood. Homeowners Association. And Mr. Gary, um, since it's going to be going to a work session where there's no speaking, you can feel free to just send an email. Send it in email. Um, Thank that'd you. Be great. Okay. Uh, with no further questions, I'm just as a comment, I would have been ready to uh, vote on this matter. There's sufficient number of uh, work session item questions, so I will be voting in favor of the work session. Any other comments? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes 9-0. We'll see you in work session. Okay, our next application is CPAM 2017-0, sorry, CPAM 2017-0002, Countywide Transportation Plan Amendment, Route 15. Welcome, Mr. Mizrak. And Mr. Kroboth. Okay. Are we ready? Good evening, uh, Mr. Chairman, members of the Commission. Um, um, my name is Lou Mozarak with the Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure here tonight to present CPAM 2017-0002 on Route 15. With me here at the table tonight are Susan Glass of Department of Transportation and Capital Infrastructure as well as Joe Krobeth, our Director of our Department, 
and Jeff Giffen uh, from Kimley Horn, the consultants who prepared the uh, Route 15 congestion report for the county. Uh, I just would also note that the um, required notices have been sent um, and the affidavits have been completed for the public hearing. The Route 15 congestion study was initiated by the Board of Supervisors in 2016 and was completed in May of, of 2017. The study identified potential solutions to the recurring congestion, uh, traffic congestion uh, on Route 15 north of Leesburg between Battlefield Parkway and Whites Ferry Road. And, and for reference, that roadway carries approximately 24,000 vehicles a day currently. The study concluded that additional roadway capacity is needed and recommended widening Route 15 from two to four lanes from Battlefield Parkway north to a point north of Whites Ferry Road. And this was presented in a report to the Board of Supervisors in May of, of this year. And at that board meeting, uh, staff was directed, um, the board made several um, motions that night and, and directed staff on a number of tasks. But uh, tonight, uh, the, the last item in the list, we're here to um, discuss the countywide transportation plan amendment that was initiated by the board. Uh, and the board did specify that the widening of Route 15 in this plan amendment was to be uh, to four lanes uh, and to northward from the current terminus of the four lanes near Battlefield Parkway north to Montressor Road. Specifically, the text and maps of the amendment are to amend the CTP um, from Route 15 from a R2, a rural two-lane section, to a four-lane divided R4M section between North King Street and Montressor Road. And the revisions would be to CTP maps, texts, policies, and planning guidelines in Chapter 2 and Appendix 1 of the CTP and those are specified in a red line version in attachment three of the staff report. The CTP amendment includes specific language regarding bicycle and pedestrian facilities, as well as the design of the corridor, or the design of the improvements to be consistent with scenic and historic context of the corridor. Uh, vicinity map, again, just uh, from just uh, really between King Street and Tut Lane, north to Montressor Road. That's the area of the proposed uh, CPAM that we are discussing this evening. There were uh, several questions at the Planning Commission briefing last week. Uh, the, uh, there was a question about uh, travel demand and the proposed widening north to Montressor Road is forecast to accommodate travel demand through the year 2030. There was a second question regarding existing right-of-way width on Route 15. Uh, it is currently about a, approximately 120 feet along Route 15 uh, from Leesburg north to Whites Ferry Road and then approximately 80 feet between Whites Ferry Road north to Montressor Road. There are also questions again regarding bike ped facilities and those would be uh, provided in accordance with Appendix 6 of the Countywide Transportation Plan and also a question about the context-sensitive nature of the improvements, and that language is in Appendix 1 uh, to comport with the heritage resource policies of the CTP and the scenic 
area corridor policies and the heritage preservation plan and the revised general plan. In terms of public engagement on this process, we had an open house here at the government center on October 25th, approximately 10 people attended. And then as part of the larger county effort on Route 15 north of Leesburg, there were three public meetings held in June and July of this year. There was 239 people attended those three meetings in Leesburg and Luckett's. And also the county conducted an online survey in July, just over 2,000 unique responses and about 30 uh, email comments as well. Again, continuing with public engagement, the online survey uh, indicated there was one of the questions in the survey was uh, whether or not one would support widening to a point north of Whites Ferry Road. And to that survey question, 76% were in favor, 13% were in favor if certain conditions were met. So 89% total uh, responded in favor of the proposed widening. Just uh, the next, there's several points of clarification I would like to make about what the CPAM is and what it is not. Uh, the CPAM that we're discussing this evening only applies to widening the segment of Route 15 between North King Street and Montressor Road. South of that point, between Battlefield and North King Street, the road is physically only two lanes, but the plan shows it as four lanes currently. So the, the plan amendment is between North King Street and Montressor Road. The segment of 15 north of Montressor Road is unchanged with the CPAM. And just to clarify, that segment is called out in the legal ad for this public hearing uh, because the, the um, document creates a new road segment to begin at Montressor Road uh, to the bridge at Point of Rocks. Uh, it's in there because there is technically a change to the length of that segment uh, in Appendix 1 of the CTP, but there is no change to the two-lane condition of that two-lane planned condition north of Montressor Road. Also, a couple other points of clarification that the there is ongoing discussion uh, in another forum in the stakeholders committee appointed by the Board of Supervisors discussing specific intersection alternatives and potential realignments of intersections and certain side streets that intersect along the segment of the Route 15 corridor. Those matters are not governed by the countywide transportation plan and therefore they're not part of the CPAM process. The CPAM is only to decide the question of whether or not the road should be widened to four lanes. So intersection improvements and um, potential realignments would be discussed in another form. Uh, also regarding the proposed access control along the segment of Route 15, uh, it would be a controlled access roadway and that's because there would be some sort of median uh, provided uh, with improvements that are yet to be designed. Just controlled access from the glossary of the countywide transportation plan, it's characterized as a concentration of access at median crossovers, but it does not prohibit individual parcel access. And as I stated, the improvements in this section are not designed, so the locations of future median crossovers have not yet been determined. And finally, the proposed 
turn lanes uh, language that's in Appendix 1 is unchanged from the current CTP where left and right turn lanes would be provided along the segment of road where needed for safety. VDOT and the Town of Leesburg were um, referred comments on this application. They're both as included as attachment four of your staff report and both are supportive of the application. And staff recommends that the Planning Commission forward the CPAM to the board with a recommendation of approval. And I would be happy to answer any questions myself or any of our colleagues. Thank you. Great, thank you, Mr. Moserak. Um, just a point of clarification, the, the, the CPAM, if approved tonight, does nothing but gets us to the next level where we will begin designing the road and doing all of the, the details of that, designing this intersection and that intersection and those types of things, is that correct? That, that is correct. Those, the, there is a stakeholders committee um, that is um, looking at specific intersection improvements and other features along the corridor. Uh, tonight is um, a decision on whether to amend the county's policy document to widen the road. So it doesn't really make sense to delay our, uh, our, our, our voting here because that's not even on the table yet. Once we do make a recommendation, the board um, makes their uh, 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 vote, then it would go to that next step if, if it was a positive vote. That's correct. This is part of a larger overall initiative by the board, and this is one step in that process, yes. Great. Thank you, Mr. Moserak. Are there any questions for staff? Commissioner Kears. Uh, um, just to kind of very quickly follow up on um, what Chairman Solomon said. So assume this goes forward, um, we vote on it. Quite frankly, I don't think it really matters what we say at this point because the board sent this to us with a unanimous recommendation that we support it. Um, so you kind of know what the, where the board's thinking. But from a public input process beyond that, when you actually get to those details about the bike and pedestrian lanes and will there be roundabouts or traffic lights, what will the public process be for them to be engaged and be able to offer their input? So as Mr. Moserak indicated, there were several public input sessions and those details were discussed with the, sorry, I have an echo in my mic, but Those details were introduced to the larger public, uh, that's public uh, representation that participated in those public outreaches. The board has appointed a stakeholder group from representatives from various HOAs and, and areas along the corridor, and that stakeholder group has had uh, three meetings to date, and there's another scheduled for after the first of the year. And at, within those meetings, the details of roundabout, traffic signal, uh, overpass, those types of details are being discussed and they're being vetted by that, that group as we speak. And we will be reporting back to the Board of Supervisors with the response from the stakeholders as well as a staff recommendation on and what, correct in assuming at all, any of those future stakeholder meetings will be advertised and the public's invited to attend them regardless if they're one of those stakeholder members? Yes, sir. They are, they are certainly welcome to participate and um, they are, Ms. Glass, how, how are they advertised to the public? Are they? We're, we're, we posted to the county calendar 
but it's not a broad advertisement in a newspaper for a, a stakeholder meeting. Could they not hear me? Her, I think someone just commented they couldn't hear. <laughs> Her response was that the, the stakeholder meetings are placed on the county's uh, calendar of events. Uh, however, there's not a specific press release outside of directly to the stakeholders. We, the, the staff relies on the stakeholders to disseminate the, that information to those in which they represent. Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kearse. Mr. Good. Barnes. Uh, yes. Uh, by approving the CFAM, you said this just to, it's an initial thing to start a four-lane talk. Is that what you're saying? This would amend the plan to designate this section of Route 15 as four lanes. Yeah, but it's, uh, if we do that, it's not coming back to us, then it's going to just take off on its own, right? It, it, it would not come back it's to the Planning Commission. So this is the final approval or disapproval we're going to have. That is. That's it, right? It's the process would be with the Board of Supervisors, and there'd be input, you know, through design public hearings. We don't have any more inputs in it after today, right? This is the. This is it. This is the. Planning Commission's um, okay. vote on this potentially uh, can, tonight. Can I ask you questions? Uh, if you're going to have road, you said, but you don't know what the design of the four lane is going to be. Like there's some roads coming into 15 uh, uh, from east side. Can they make a left turn uh, to come to Leesburg when the road when they come out, or do they have to make a right turn and go all the way to the Monster Road and have make a U-turn and then come back? What, what's what's about that? So as, in, as indicated, those details have not been worked out yet. The uh, well, see, that's what the, I'm saying. I'm, I'm the, voting on something that I don't know what's going to be. So, typically, the countywide transportation is a policy document that does not get down to that level of detail of engineering design. The design will comply with all the VDOT requirements with regards to intersection spacing, with regards to turnarounds. Uh, regarding access, all of those components. But the, 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 the transportation plan just simply does not dive into that level of detail. It's a, it's a policy regarding two-lane facility, four-lane facility, or, or, or greater, whatever, wherever the respective locations are. My at. concern was about left turns. Coming from east side, uh, making a left turn, come to Leesburg, uh, what they have to do to do, make that left turn. That's the, that's the only thing I wanted to know. And can I assume you're referring to the area around King Street? No, I'm referring to uh, all the roads coming in off the White's Ferry Road. You know, you pass that, and all the farms on the right-hand side, yeah. the east side of Route 15, uh, they have roads Certainly. Coming, coming to Route 15. Yes, if sir. they want to make a left turn, what do they have to do to make a left turn on 15? Okay, so at, at, as Mr. Mosrak indicated, at roadway intersections, there will be right and left turns constructed so that the, the turning vehicles can get out of the traffic stream. Uh, where there are median brakes designed into the highway, there will also be left turns that can allow for left turns into driveways or roadways or U-turns where that's permitted. I'm not sure if I answered your question. But those are all components that would be designed with the highway. But we don't know yet. We don't know what's going to happen. Some of those decisions would be, you know, if this if this moves forward, and 
as anticipated if VDOT were to administer a, a project to facilitate, to design the widening, there would be a, a design public hearing and opportunity for comment on those particular details. No, I'm you know, just looking at, at the letter from this lady on 600 acres farm she has, that she's opposed to it. And I don't know how you all got that 90% of the folks are saying it's okay, they want that project. But what I'm looking at the from the folks living around there that they don't want it. So I don't know who was surveyed. Was the survey done? People at Sorry, if you could just allow the... Uh, Point of order, Chairman. Yes. Are we in comments yet? Uh, we are in uh, questions. questions. We're in questions. Yeah. So if you could just uh, ask questions at this point, we have plenty of time for comment. Well, I'm not making comment. I'm just saying, that's what I'm saying. If you let me know how they're going to make the left turns, and that's all I have from over there. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Barnes. Commissioner Priscilla. Uh, two questions. Uh, one, how... Through what stage of design, if this moves forward, would the stakeholders group provide input till the final design? 30% complete design is typically the t point in time where we bring we go to community meeting and public input. So only to that point. Um, one other question, just for clarification. Um, I'm not, I haven't seen the Board of Supervisors motion, um, but I did read through uh, Supervisor Higgins' e uh, letter to us that we got tonight. And I just want to make sure I understand it. In his fourth paragraph, he says, he mentions prior to that that it was his motion that the board passed on to take this action. He says, let me be clear, the CPAM is intended to allow Route 15 to be widened to four lanes to Whites Ferry Road. The northern section of Route 15 beyond Whites Ferry is currently under study. All the solutions proposed to improve Route 15 from the Leesburg line to Whites Ferry require that it be widened. And so I'm, I understand what we're being asked to consider, and I'm looking at his letter, and there seems to be a little bit of um, a difference in what he's saying versus what the board may have done. Well, I'm a little confused because we actually do have the, um, the test from the uh, uh, Board of Supervisors. It's in your packet. Okay. Um, it's on page, I'll tell you in a second. It's on page 4 of 18. Of the boards, yep, <coughs> and the attachments. No, I can can you provide some clarification, Lou? Oh, I'm sorry. The the copy test for the Board of Supervisors from May 18th directed staff to or directed staff to begin work on the CPAM that they initiated, and that see in the to reflect the amendments to the CTP. Supervisor Higgins further moved that the board initiate an amendment process to the countywide transportation plan to reflect necessary revisions to Route 15 ahead of the comprehensive plan process. The discussion at the board that evening was, it's not captured in that particular language, it is, was to initiate a CTP with improvements to a point north of Whites Ferry Road. If you're going to widen the road, you need to carry the improvements beyond the intersection 
to facilitate the capacity improvement to get traffic to get past the intersection and clear the intersection. From a practical standpoint, the, the CPAM extends the limit of the four-lane widening to the next major intersection north, which is Montressor Road. Okay. Thank, thank you. Is that sufficient? Did you have other questions, Tom? I'm reading the motion. Okay. I'm reading the motion, and it, I don't think it's as clear as that, and is, so I'm kind of not completely understanding Supervisor Higgins, but that's the best that can be done. Okay. Commissioner Jennings. Um, so that one's still in the air. I'm, I'm with you. Um, I was trying to get what I interpreted from the Board of Supervisors test and to see if that makes sense, that the, ex the expansion, the widening of Route 15 north of Montresor Road was part of, I thought he was directing that to be included in the comprehensive plan Vision. That's not north. North of Montressor Road is not part of this amendment tonight. Not this. Not this. I know that. Yes. Part of the comp plan that we're going through is the way I read that. The envision Loudon. It. it, it see, Mr. Chairman. Yes. It, if if I may try to provide some clarity, there were there was a discussion amongst the board members, board of supervisor members, regarding the timing in which to complete a comprehensive plan amendment. As an, as an isolated amendment as we're presenting here tonight, right. or to defer this as part of the countywide comprehensive plan update, okay. in which, which is commonly known as Envision Loudon, And the board made the conscious decision that they want this CPAM to move forward earlier than the comprehensive plan update. And, I, and that's what the item four, or I'm sorry, item D, in the uh, copy test is referring to. Okay, that's fine. Second, what point in the process, and I, I understand the initial design, where we are with the CPAM, but you made a comment that property owners who have access to Route 15 would not be denied access, but because of the limited access, they may um, if they're heading eastbound, it may be a right turn only until you get to, to a, a break in the median. That's correct. I believe there will be a safety improvement on a road that when you're trying to make a, the wrong directional turn against traffic can be hazardous to one's health. At what point does any safety benefit get evaluated in the design process? Well, the, the VDOT standards inherently incorporate design as part of the definition of the standards. That's why the standards are established to provide for a safe operating highway. So I, obviously safety is a huge import, of huge importance to us here. There are, there are two factors. There is capacity deficiency and there are safety issues. And safety issues will be, some safety issues will be addressed by constructing the road to the current modern day standards. Uh, and then the widening or the adding of an additional lane addresses the capacity issue. Okay. Last question on the widening. Is there an estimate of, at the four lane widening, has there been an estimate of the additional easement that will be required from private property owners right now? 
No, not at this point. Uh, I just remind the commissioners that it was mentioned the, the current or existing right-of-way up to White's Ferry is 120 feet. North of that is 80 feet. Uh, what I can say is the, the four-lane widened section could be built within the 120-foot section, so but probably would require additional right-of-way. I just can't speak to what extent north of there. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Jennings. Other questions? Commissioner Sisley. Uh, this is for staff. The maps that are used for the CPAM application use diamonds to indicate uh, an intersection, either existing or planned intersection. Um, I just want a clarification. That does not mean that diamond interchanges have been designed into the widening project. No, no. There is language in the current CTP for potential grade separation, an interchange or a partial interchange at King Street and, and Route 15, and that would continue to be in the, in the document. Great. Thank you. Will any parcels become landlocked as a result of the approval of this comprehensive plan amendment? Every parcel would retain some public road access in some, in some manner. And would any heritage resource be destroyed uh, due to the CPAM approval? Again, consistent with our um, several other roads in the rural policy area in the countywide transportation plan as it exists today, uh, the county's position on this widening would be that it would be designed in conformance with scenic and heritage resources. All right. My final question is, has staff um, seen any equivocation from the Board of Supervisors on their intent to have the CPAM approved? No. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Sisley. Other questions of staff? I have a couple questions. Um, so the, and I think you answered it, I'm just going to confirm, uh, resident access has not been determined as far as they'll have access to the roadway if they have access to the roadway today, whether they have the same access they have today uh, uh, after the, um, the road is built uh, is, is not clear. In many cases, they'll have right in, right out access, but not necessarily left access across the road, correct? That is correct. Okay. Um, can you give me an idea um, about the traffic volumes that are, uh, that the road is designed for as a two-lane road? The traffic, um, the, sorry, the, the traffic volumes that are on there today um, versus the capacity of the road today and based on a four-lane um, design that we're uh, being that's being recommended uh, this evening what the uh, estimated uh, time uh, will elapse before the level of service degrades to a level of F typically a two-lane road can handle roughly 14,000 cars a day as uh, Mr. Moserak said uh, the section is carrying about 24,000 cars a day uh, the analysis we performed showed that the, the widening to the point north of White's Ferry should handle the traffic until roughly the year 2030. To, to I'm sorry, to White's Ferry or to? North of White's Ferry. North of White's Ferry, okay. Um, you said that the right-of-way, uh, Mr. Kroboth, is 120 feet up to White's Ferry is slightly smaller to, to 80 feet below. I guess that's 50% or uh, quite a bit lower. 
um, north of that, do you feel that that's sufficient uh, right of way to enable a full and safe uh, intersect or a full and safe uh, roadway, or do you feel we need more right of way for that? You threw a comment in there north of that. Do you mean north of White's Ferry or north of Montressor? I just want to north. Of, sorry, uh, between White because we're we are only looking up at to Montressor. Montressor uh, up to South. Montressor, and there's I'm sure a hundred feet. 300 feet of space where you you taper it back down to two. So yes, we'll just say Montressor Road South. So as we indicated, it's a nominal right-of-way width of about 80 feet, and we will need additional right-of-way in that segment in order to construct a four-lane highway. Okay. And I'm assuming more right-of-way equals safer, assuming gives you the flexibility to make it safer. Yes. Any further questions? I have one. Yes, Commissioner Sisson. Is it possible to more broadly uh, advertise the uh, stakeholder meeting so that uh, the public doesn't necessarily have to continually visit the town website or the county's website in order to uh, be informed about when a meeting, where a meeting is, how long it's going to be, who's going to lead it? Yes, sir, we can do that. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Sisley. Uh, further questions? Okay, we'll move to uh, public comment. Our first speaker will be uh, Supervisor Gary Higgins of the Catoctin District. Welcome, Supervisor Higgins. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, ladies and gentlemen of the Planning Commission. My name is Gary Higgins, and I'm a Catoctin Supervisor. Uh, first, I want to thank you for your service to Loudoun County and all the work that you do and the time that you put in. I, for one, understand it, and thank you for that. Uh, first, let me address a question that Mr. Priscilla had with the letter that I handed out tonight. There is a typo in that that should say, it's at the first sentence of the third paragraph, um, that should be to Montresor Road. And it's in order to accommodate the options that we're looking at at um, White's Ferry. First, let me tell you that I don't make a habit of coming to the Planning Commission meetings and speaking. I'm uh, here tonight for the second time in six years. Uh, but the reason I'm here tonight is because this project is too important, not just to the board and to the county, but to the district and I believe to the state. The seat hand before you tonight was a motion that was offered by me at our May 18th meeting, and it was voted unanimously by the Board of Supervisors. This uh, CPAM is absolutely critical to addressing the safety and conjecture relief project uh, that we're talking about. And um, the county has also requested funding enlisted this project as number one in our NVTA 70% regional funding. So this is a very important project for Loudoun County. Uh, you should also be aware that there have been three fatalities on Route 15 over the past 18 months, not to mention countless other accidents, and a number of which have closed the road down completely to any passing of cars. This is a two-lane road without shoulders. It carries 24,000 cars a day. It was designed to max out at 12,000 cars a day. And to give you a little perspective, Route 15 is six to eight lanes wide and carries 45,000 cars a day to give you an idea of the congestion that's occurring on this road. I'd also like to um, tell you that uh, no one is more conscious of or cares more about and committed to preserving the history of Loudoun County than me. And I have requested that all improvements to this road 
would be uh, in a context-sensitive design. This is not about um, paving the road uh, four lanes all the way to Point of Rocks. This is about allowing Route 15 to be widened to uh, Montrester Road. The northern section of Route 15 beyond White's Ferry is under study as we speak. Uh, we split this project into two parts so that um, we could not hold, we would not hold up the improvements in the south. And all of the solutions that we have proposed to improve Route 15 south of Leesburg to White's Ferry require this road to be widened to four lanes. Some may come tonight and speak that this process um, has not been inclusive enough and that we need more time and more public input. I can tell you that I don't know of any project that's had more process and more public input than this one since I've been on the board, except maybe the Envision process. Uh, the board adopted this um, motion on May 18th. The uh, public input process for these improvements began in June. We held three public input sessions. We set up roundtables like the Envision process. 239 people showed up at those meetings. We had another 329 go to the website that is up and running right now if you want to go and contact us or, or look at the project. And all of the information we've gathered and we'll talk about tonight is at that website. On the website, we had almost another 2,300 people fill out surveys. Between those and the ones that attended the meetings, that's approximately 2,600 people that are involved in this process directly. Uh, those findings were brought back to the board in October and the 19th, and the board also discussed NVTA funding on the 19th and again on November 8th. VDOT had a public input open house meeting on October 25th. What was also mentioned is we've had a stakeholders group that's made up of 20 individuals that represent the communities along Route 15. That group has met three times, and they have another meeting scheduled um, very shortly. In addition, I have been involved in countless meetings with landowners, organizations, and other interested parties. In fact, I don't know of anyone that we have not reached out to or tried to contact and talk to about this project uh, in relationship to this project. Uh, additionally, there's been numerous new newspaper articles. I guess my point is that this project has been in front of the public constantly since May, and I don't know of one that has had more visibility. The survey asked people to list the major problems that they saw along the road, and then also to discuss some possible solutions. While I don't have time to share all of those results with you, I would suggest if you're interested to go to the website because it's all there. But I would say that, um, and, and I think you would want to know, 95% wanted congestion relief, 86% wanted improved safety, 69% wanted better access, and while there are some differing preferences and opinions on some of the specific options and solutions, there was support by 76% of the respondents for widening the road to a point north of Montressor. To be clear, there can be no congestion relief on Route 15 without widening this road. So I'd ask you to support this CPAM tonight. This CPAM should not be postponed or put off. We need to move this along and get some relief on Route 15, both to the congestion, but more importantly, to the safety issues. And again, I thank you for all your work on behalf of Loudoun County and uh, the opportunity to speak to you tonight. Thank, thank you, Supervisor Higgins. Uh, our uh, next speaker will be Martha Polkey, followed by Rosemary Lawler. 
Good evening, Commissioners. Um, I'm Martha Polkey, and I'm a 25-year resident of the Luckett's area who's worked on Route 15 for much of that time as coordinator of the Catoctin Coalition. I'm also a member of the Route 15 Stakeholders Committee. More than a year ago, I and other members of the coalition acted to get long-neglected Route 15 special consideration of the comp plan update process to expand underway congestion studies north of Leesburg to include a corridor-long redesign up to the Potomac that balances flow, safety, and access on our National Scenic Byway. We emphasize the need to engage a broader community to build consensus on solutions. <clears throat> the Route 15 Stakeholders Group was appointed this summer. We know your task is to make determinations on what is best for the county as a whole. A large majority of Loudoun County citizens have firmly and repeatedly stated that what is best for the county as a whole is preserving the scenic and historic attributes of Loudoun's rural area from which citizens derive pleasure, recreation, and appreciation of our nation's history and which drives our 1.7 billion tourism industry. The issues raised by the Route 15 CPAM you're considering tonight bear directly on your duty to, to the common good in the near term and to the future. There's been an absence of transparency in part of this process. It's been a little disturbing. County staff did not share with the stakeholders the CPAM, the actual CPAM language or, or provide a link to the CPAM document, although it bears directly on their work. Surprised citizens learned a few days ago that the CPAM's change in designation to the route from a local access road to a controlled access four-lane median divided rural arterial affecting adjacent landowners subject to uh, taking of their land and loss of access. Um, you know, four-lane road, you have a, a couple of extra lanes to cross to make any left turns. Uh, four-lane road um, will reduce safe access for also for landowners, business owners, and visitors to Temple Hall Farm Park and the many wineries, pick your own farms, and brewery on the eastern side who depend upon Limestone School Road to turn left on Route 15. They need an expedited entrance. Um, contrary to staff assertion, last summer's public survey showed that 67, 76% of, of participants were in favor of the four-laning the section uh, just up through Whites Ferry Road, and, and the designs they saw were just a little bit north of there. Uh, Route 15 to Whites Ferry Road is already five more lanes, five or more lanes wide, including shoulders, median, and turn lanes. North of Whites Ferry, Route 15 is a pristine two-lane undisturbed road, although over capacity. Uh, county Ms. staff. Okay, if you could uh, finish up your, your comments. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, 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 will, I sent you an email today, and um, I I, I'd like you to consider it. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Polkey. Our next speaker, Rosemary Lawler. Uh, I'm sorry, if you could not uh, please refrain from speaking. We'd like to hear the public comments, and it just delays everything. Uh, thank you. Our next speaker, Rosemary Lawler, followed by Gladys Lewis. Hi. Uh, I live on Limestone School Road, 15483, and I'd like to make the first point that the first major intersection or road north of Whites Ferry Road is not Montresor. It is Limestone School Road. We share the same route designation, 661, but we are a right turn before their left turn. For me to come south for business, medical care, grocery shopping, anything, I need to turn left from, route, from Limestone School Road onto Route 15. The alternative is to go several miles out of my way north on Limestone School Road, hit Sphinx Ferry, or go further if there's no light at Sphinx Ferry, up to Luckett's and then repeat that couple of miles, several miles out of my way 
coming back down south to go south on Route 15 to any point of business, any point of medical care, any point of grocery shopping or activities of daily life. Um, I'll jump around here. Um, I, f I, I find it funny that people talk about how stakeholders have been notified. I was never notified at, by anything. I get my tax bill from the county. They have my address. They know exactly how to reach me. But somehow, because I'm not part of an HOA or some other stakeholder group, I don't find any notification. I don't get any information about this at all. The meetings in June and July, at the point that I became aware of those, my family, we were scheduled on a prepaid vacation. Uh, Multi-generations, sorry, I wasn't going to scrap that to come to a meeting. Um, had there been prior notice, adequate notice given for something of a monumental change like this, perhaps I could have rearranged the dates and done something about that. Um, for people that live on the east side, our boundary is the river. We have literally no other way. If we don't go on Route 15 in and out from our community, we have no other way to get in and out from our community. Where we live, we have people who have horse farms. There is an equestrian community. There are some cattle grazing farms. There are, there's a working farm that provides fruit, vegetables, soybeans. Those um, businesses and uh, production facilities have tractors. They have produce trucks. Tractors and hay baling equipment drive on Route 15 to go to hay farms and hay fields south of Limestone School Road. This is poorly conceived in terms of adequately addressing the access needs of people east of Route 15. We're all in agreement something needs to be done, but for us to be on board with the notion of widening Route 15 to some point north of Montresor without any discussion for the people east of how we get on to Route 15 under this scenario is, is unfair to those people. Thank you, Ms. Lawler. Our next speaker is former Planning Commissioner Gladys Lewis, followed by Libby Devlin. Chairman Salmon, Commissioner Scheel, and the rest of the Planning Commissioners, I'm Gladys Lewis. I live on Limestone School Road. Uh, there's a couple things I'd like to say. First, uh, I read the whole 239-page Kimberly Horton report. Their reasoning for extending the four-laning up to Montresor was because of the local traffic coming in. And I beg to differ. This is not local traffic. This is traffic that's turning right in downtown Luckett's, up on Stumptown, and then turning left on Montresor and entering and they're being successful at that. Um, that could easily be fixed by not allowing right turn turns on some town except for local traffic. I tried to go to Waterford one day and it, I literally had to take my life in my hands because the traffic was so constant I couldn't get across. Uh, second of all, um, I'd like to point out that the current merge for uh, Route 15 has very few roads and no driveways coming in. If you, if you consider that most of the backup does not reach Edwards Ferry Road, although it does at times, there are no entrances between Edwards Ferry and Battlefield, and there are no entrances except a few little dirt roads that are never used from Battlefield to the, uh, the conjunction of business and bypass 15. No driveways. When you come north of White's Ferry, 
there are driveways, there are roads. If you don't combine limestone school road because of the heavy traffic, the horse trailers, in some way, I've tried to make a right turn with only two lanes and then right turn on, on, line, on uh, 15, make a U-turn at Montresor, you take your life in your hands to do that because there's a lot of cars coming out. It's very difficult. Those of us who live east of 15 should have a bigger role in this decision because we are the ones that are going to bear the burden. And to think of my grandkids driving out across two full lanes trying to merge north of Montresor, it's just going to be an impossible. You're not going to be able to do it. So we're going to be stuck. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Lewis, and thank you for your service to the county. Our next speaker, Libby Devlin, followed by Scott Lutz. Hello, um, I'm Libby Devlin, and I am an owner and a resident of Rockland Farm, which is a 600-acre farm occupying both the east and west side of Route 15, just north of White's Ferry Road. Rockland Farm has been family-owned and occupied for 200 years by Rust family members and their descendants. Uh, Rockland is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and widening Route 15 to four lanes north of White's Ferry Road will negatively impact Rockland Farm both from an aesthetic point of view and operationally. The viewshed, the tranquility, and the rural setting of my historic home, which was also the home of Ida Lee Rust, and many other Rust descendants will be ruined by this widening. I have been working very hard to keep Rockland in the family and to preserve it into the future. I have opened up the gardens and the grounds as a wedding and event venue in order to supplement the meager farm income that we receive. Increased noise and traffic volume from an expanded highway in front of the manor house will seriously harm the event business. Rockland is still actively farmed, and there are three existing full-movement access driveways to Route 15. These access points are necessary to, new, to move farm vehicles and equipment in and out of the farm. Tenants also use these driveways. Widening Route 15 to four lanes will impair access to and from Rockland Farm and do, be detrimental to the farm operations. Rockland Farm will stand to lose a significant portion of acreage to route, the Route 15 widening north of White's Ferry Road. There are documented environmental assets of wetlands, water of the U.S., stream buffers, 100-year floodplains on Rockland Farm west of Route 15. These resources are important to Rockland Farm operations and its, and its future. We do not want the future widened alignment of the road to be moved closer to the historic manor house to avoid disturbance of these uh, environmental assets. Doing so will encroach on the viewshed from the historic manor house and impact the tranquility of the surrounding environment. I hope you will thoughtfully consider these issues as you contemplate voting on this comprehensive plan amendment. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Devlin. Our next speaker is Scott Lutz, followed by Al Alfred McCusker. Good evening, Planning Commissioners. It was two months ago today that I stood in front of the Board of Supervisors and spoke about Route 15 as Slaughter Alley. I also spoke about the hierarchy of vulture socialization and the anti-growth special influence on the Board of Supervisors and staff. 
I challenge the board of supervisors to do the right thing. In fact, the board not only unanimously approved the motion on October 19th to move forward with phase one and develop a plan for the lower Route 15 North Corridor, as well as identify funding, the Board of Supervisors came back on November 8th and unanimously approved uh, to submit Route 15 as the number one project for NBTA funding. You see, the Board of Supervisors and the Route 15 stakeholders have been consulted by experts from the county staff, VDOT, and a third-party consultant. The consensus, feedback, and backdrop from the experts under all options is widening Route 15 to four lanes, at the very least, to Montressor Road. What information does the Planning Commission have that is different or would refute what the experts have put forward? The anti-growth special interest groups represent a small but vocal uh, group of people. These are the same people who fought against widening Route 15's shoulders. These are the same people who continue to delay and obstruct the process at every turn. <clears throat> in fact, their solutions are even more absurd and desperate with each passing day. As an observer, as observer of the Route 15 stakeholder process, I have heard, heard everything from installing tolls, a new bridge crossing uh, to Maryland is coming. Protect the salamander. Have you considered multimodal transportation like flying cars? Reduce the speed limit to 35 miles an hour. Study the project some more. And if you're worried about uh, school bus safety, do not have kids. I wish I could make this stuff up. We are talking about lives and safety. The entire corridor needs safe roads. How many more lives uh, are going to be lost? How many more lives could have been here if Route 15 was widened years ago? Like the Board of Supervisors, I expect the Planning Commission to make the right decision tonight and support the amendment without any further delay. We cannot afford to lose any more lives. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lutz. Our next speaker is Alfred McCusker, followed by Pat Logue. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, other commissioners. My name is Alfred McCusker. I live in the Selma Estates community. I want to thank you for your service. Um, earlier, we were talking kennels. Now you're seeing cats and dogs going at it. You got growthers, you got folks that are pro-safety, that are concerned about their families, about our commuters, our residents in our communities. Then you have folks that are no growthers. That's the bottom line. That's the elephant that's in the middle of this room. The Board of Supervisors unanimously voted the Route 15 widening as the number one priority for the Northern Virginia Transportation Authority for funding. It's safety. It's not about protecting open space. It's safety for the vehicles and the occupants of the vehicles and the residents of our communities. And we are respectfully asking that you approve this amendment. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. McCusker. Our next speaker, Pat Logue, followed by, I think, Brian Vandenberg is not here. So if he's not, it'll be Peter Gustafson. My name is Patricia Logue. I've been a resident of Selma Estates since, 19, or since 2012. And I'm here tonight, with, along with my neighbors, to do the hard work of citizenship. I'm asking you to postpone your amendment to this plan because citizens, in my opinion, have not been fully informed. As a member of the Citizens for a Safer Route 15 committee, uh, through the offices of Supervisor Higgins, I've been monitoring safety improvements that VDOT has planned for the last year. I'm also an advocate for the pro-development efforts of the Northern Virginia Transportation Alliance, and I've informed myself 
of the importance of their efforts to build another crossing across the Potomac between our county and Montgomery. When Supervisor Higgins invited the Luckett's Ruritans Club to, a, to the table as a member of the Stakeholders Committee, I became an active volunteer supporting our representative and the club's goals. The Luckett's Ruritans Club is a community service organization. We have no political agenda. We seek only to serve our community and to strengthen it through our service and our fellowship. We do not take a stand on these issues. We see it as our job to promote effective communication so that each citizen can take their own stand. Our goal in accepting that invitation to the stakeholders group was to share stakeholder information with citizens not represented by a homeowners association and to use our Luckett's news and notes as a vehicle for informing the entire community about our stakeholder activities. Last August, the stakeholders were asked to distribute and collect hard copy citizen surveys. We did that and collected surveys from 223 residents. I personally tabulated those results, which I forwarded to all of you last night. You get very attached to the data when you have to manually record it, and you internalize the comments when you have to re rewrite every single one of them. I am certain that the people who filled out those 239 surveys did not feel they were being asked to consider the language that you are about to change tonight. To change Route 15 to a four-lane median divided controlled access artery by this amendment. The number three issue for those 239 citizens was access and nothing to date has really explained that to the citizens. Thank you, Ms. Slug. If you could please follow up, I appreciate it. Thank you. Our next speaker uh, is Brian Vandiver here because uh, he sent us a note that said he was going to be absent. Um, we did get an email. If you could check your email uh, when you get home, that'd be great. Um, uh, since he's absent, uh, Peter Gustafson, followed by Mary Gustafson. Hi. <clears throat> Good evening, um, Planning Commission members, staff, and fellow citizens. Thank you all for your service. My name is Peter Gustafson of Luckett's in the Catoctin Magisterial District. In this joyous holiday season, I am presently filled with dread. This evening, you will be faced with a momentous decision that can forever alter the place I love and that I call home. CPAM 2017-0002 was perhaps meant to be a well-intentioned approach to acquire the funds necessary to effect meaningful change to chronically delayed U.S. Route 15 improvements. I will be the first to concede that the AM congestion going south and the PM backups heading north are unacceptable and need remediation. Countless man hours are wasted, commerce disrupted, fire and rescue impeded, all while travelers experience some of our, the worst our county has to offer. However, this CPAM is premature. A process is already underway, as you heard, to solve these problems. And staff's justification to four-lane our scenic byway all the way up to Montresor Road is vague and misleading. Widening does not equal safety, and I've been very involved in safety in 2017. And none of those deaths occurred where the four-laning is going to happen. And so anyway... I ask you this evening to please don't be swayed by others seeking a misguided and ill-informed quick fix. 
know that we are not no-growthers or naysayers. We're people who have a great deal invested in, knowledge about, passion for, and understanding of the value of what can so easily be lost. Consider your decision carefully, not simply for our sake, but for the sake of future generations. There are other viable, simpler, cheaper, and less drastic alternatives. Once it's done, it's done. As stakeholder for the Luckett's Ruritan Club, we've worked, as Pat mentioned, to survey our neighbors on the recommendations for phase one. Now, we need citizen input going forward, north beyond White's Ferry, which has not been done. Recently, MVTA members, um, I'm running out of time. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to my comments. You all have a wonderful holiday season and a great new year ahead. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Gustafson. Our next speaker, Mary Gustafson, sorry, uh, followed by Sean Julian. Good evening. My name's Mary Gustafson. <laughs> Stuff one, son of Gustav. Um, good evening, Planning Commission. Members, I'm grateful for this opportunity to express my concerns in this public forum and for the permanent record. My husband and I are longtime residents of Luckett's. We've lived in the same home for 36 years. Our driveway, Black Walnut Lane, one mile north of Luckett's, empties onto the west side of U.S. Route 15. Without access to Route 15, we would be cut off from the world. I recommend that the Planning Commission postpone the vote they could cast tonight to approve the amendment to CPAM uh, 2017-0002, defined as revising the segment of U.S. Route 15 from a rural two-lane local access undivided rural arterial roadway to a four-lane medium divided facility between North King Street to Montresor Road. If adopted, this amendment would irre irrevocably alter the lives of the citizens in the community. Even those who have come before you to shake their pitchforks, shovels, and red shirts at the, uh, at the naysayers uh, need to have correct information to base their ill-informed support of a four-lane highway that will impact where they live. There is insufficient analysis of the impact that a four-lane road, four-lane approach will have. There is no analysis, analysis to suggest that this is a solution to the congestion issue that is purported to solve. There is nothing quantitative that defines the level of safety it will bring. I request, I request that you postpone your vote and direct that complete analysis of how this will impact driver safety, behavior, local businesses who depend on access for customers as well as safe access for the residents who live in the community that Route 15 bisects, and whether it will relieve congestion in the long term or whether it will induce it. I am not a naysayer, as one fellow resident would suggest. It is unfortunate that he would, he would rather belittle people who prefer to make decisions based on thorough and accurate analysis. Rather, I prefer to be an educated consumer. Please vote to postpone a vote on the amendment. Direct county transportation staff and rural economic development council to complete their studies and notify all affected property owners by mail and provide them public forum to obtain information and how the change will affect them. Thank you so much and good evening. Thank you, Ms. Gustafson. Sorry. 
Our next speaker, Sean Julian, followed by Walter Raheb. Good evening, Planning Commission. My name is Sean Julian. I am the elected stakeholder for the Village Green Homeowners Association on Route 15. Our community is on the east side of Route 15, north of Luckett's. We have roughly uh, just over 300 homes and 1,200 residents. We support all of our local businesses, the farms, the wineries, the breweries, um, all of the other mom and pop shops. We, that's why we moved out there. The problem that we have is the major, large majority of us has children, and they're the future generations that attend Smarts Mill Middle School and, Tus and moving into Tuscarora High School. Our children are sitting on the bus of, of five days a week, at least three, one hour each way due to the 15 congestion and our, the safety is paramount and, and raises the concern amongst our community. I have two young daughters and another on the way, so I, I am deeply vested in, in fixing Route 15. Regarding the notifications, if you Google Route 15 followed by Virginia, it takes you right to all of the Route 15 documents that have been put up kindly by Joe's team. Uh, Supervisor Higgins and his team, if you reach out to them, they will graciously reach out, grant a meeting, come to speak at your own home, your community. Uh, they, are, they do not hold information. They widely share it with the public. All the newspapers that we receive from the Loudoun Times Mirror, that 15's been in there and directs you where to go to find all the information. Um, I ask you tonight to seriously urge and consider approving the Route 15 amendment and to not delay the safety and congestion of our future generations. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Julian. Our next speaker, Walter Raheb, followed by Mike Widman. Good evening. My name is Walter Raheb, and I live on Limestone School Road through some of my old neighbors. Uh, I guess there are a couple points I'd like to make from what I've heard our speakers today and the questions. And first off, I support moving forward on the change to the CPAM. The concerns that a lot of people have raised deal with issues that I think this group and the, quote, shareholders group needs to deal with. We have a 48-foot horse trailer and a Freightliner truck. We use that to take our horses out of Limestone School Road and go south. I think we need to differentiate moving forward with this plan and making sure we meet the needs of those of us who either have access or live on a street like Limestone School Road that needs to have a left turn ability so I can get my truck out there. Because I can't go right, go up to Montessori Road and make a U-turn. So I think there's a little bit of a difference between what we're asking you folks to do today and what I'm hearing some of the comments. I'm also proud that we live in a representative form of government as opposed to just a democracy because not everyone is going to come here and agree. We're depending on you to make these decisions based on evidence. It took me five minutes today to turn left on Limestone School Road for the privilege of coming to visit you folks. And for those who are against trying to widen this road, it's like trying to put 20 pounds of you-know-what in a five-pound bag. The road has just gotten worse. Do I want it to be four lanes? No. Uh, but I also want to be young and thin, and that ain't going to happen either. <laughs> so I guess where my concerns are at is right now I'm experiencing negative property value because of Route 15 and all of its congestion. And by the way, the congestion isn't just Monday through Friday. It's Saturdays, it's Sundays, and for a lot of you who love the wineries, I have one right in front of my property. I share a driveway with it. It's not always our favorite thing. Uh, and I would suggest, you said you can advertise. I hope you will advertise to the stakeholders. 
and you would make that commitment to this group. Uh, I've used up my time, so thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Mr. Rahib. Our next speaker, Mike Widman, followed by David Goodrum. Hello. How are you guys doing tonight? Um, I wrote all this stuff down, but um, then I got all worked up and wrote a bunch of other stuff, so <laughs> bear with me here while I put in order. Um, I live in the Limestone Sphinx Ferry District, um, and I did miss the memo about the voting on this would I uh, widen Route 15 to Montresor. I don't think that that would be a very smart thing to do because it would not actually fix the problem. Um, the problem is that there are too many people on the road, um, most of them coming from Maryland. I sit there in traffic enough to be able to count the license plates, and it's about a 5 to 2, if you want to go like a 10 to 4 ratio, uh, give or take, depending on how many people from Pennsylvania you see. Um, what I would think would be a, a logical option would be to install a toll on the southbound side of the Point of Rocks Bridge. That would maybe put some pressure on Maryland to build a bridge. Um, if not, it would at least give us some revenue to build our connection to that bridge at the end of 28, which is where it should probably be. Um, then I saw these numbers here, 24,000 cars on the road that's supposed to handle 14,000 cars and extending this up to Montresor would make it uh, an acceptable, whatever, however you guys put it, up until 2030. And that just doesn't add up because there's not 10,000 cars that drive into the Montresor neighborhood. Maybe you could put the guys that cut through, but that's just going to make it worse for them. So I don't see how it's going to make anything safer at all. I have to take a left out of Limestone School Road every day, every morning and ev almost every afternoon. Uh, good luck with that. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. Um, the solution would be to do the plan that was originally on the table, which is widen where it's already wide enough to, uh, up to White's Ferry Road and put a roundabout at that stoplight, roundabout and extend it about 500 feet north. And that would be enough room for people to go, and everyone can travel up and then get stuck in traffic in Luckett's. So uh, you can have fun with that, too. Um, and that looks like, oh, this right here. It does Sorry, deserve sir, your, an actual. Your time, your time is up. Okay. Well, have a nice day. Thank you. Have a, uh, thank you for your speech. Our next speaker, David Goodrum, followed by Stephen Cox. Hi, how are you? Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is David Goodrum. I am a resident of Raspberry Falls and one of the stakeholders on the Route 15 Stakeholder Committee, uh, along with many of the people you see here, uh, Paul Gustafson and Martha Pokey, they're also on the Stakeholder Committee and apparently have reached out to a large number of their community, hundreds, uh, so it's unfortunate that some of the other people didn't feel like they were included. Uh, I know personally that I reached out to everybody in my community to make sure that they were feeling included. Um, I urge you to support this amendment to widen 15 through to Montchester tonight. This will allow the recommendations from Kinley Horn study and the other studies over the years. This is not the first one I heard tonight. Study it more. Study it more. I think we've, we've had a lot of studies. We're going to continue to study it more, but to make this decision tonight, we don't need more studies for this decision tonight. Regardless of one's opinions on lights and roundabouts, the studies have shown the one thing that is going to work. 
that with the current traffic volume on Route 15, actually nothing will help if the road is not first widened. So to be clear, this is not just about congestion relief. This is about safety. How many more people need to die or be seriously injured on Route 15 before we step up and put in the necessary measures to make our roads safe? Eight-foot wide shoulders must be put in for emergency uh, vehicles and situations and safety pull-offs. Medians will prevent these deadly head-on collisions. Michigan lefts to allow safer crossings will prevent left-turn side impacts. When I go leave Farmer John's, they're like, oh, I need to be able to take a left. I'm like, hey, I can't take a left out of Farmer John's. I'm going to get killed. I turn right, and I go down, and I do a U-turn already. So people who are worried about they can't take a left, you already can't take a left. So what's interesting is that as part of these uh, stakeholder committees, you know, we actually did come to a consensus. There's a flyer going around Luckett's that says there's not a consensus. There actually is. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you that our last meeting, we came up with a list of the top congestion relief and safety priorities for Route 15. For congestion, widening Route 15 to some point just south of Luckett's, we didn't actually say where, just some point south of Luckett's, was overwhelmingly supported as the top priority by the committee, ranking number two by focus groups in the committee. There were two focus groups. Michigan lefts came at number three, which is a way to help people get left. Interestingly, people talk about uh, trying to get out of limestone and being realignment, realigning limestone was number one. These are things that we are talking about doing. It's unfortunate they haven't been included, but we do want to fix these things. We need this amendment tonight to go through. I wrote a bunch of stuff, and I, like everybody else, I had a bunch of notes, and now I'm going I'm to run out of time, so I'm not going to get to them all. But I urge you to not delay. Delay means we lose NBTA funding. We lose MBTA funding, that's funding that's going to have to come from the local residents here, not from MBTA, and that money is not going to be existent for years. Please approve it tonight. Thank you very much. Mayor Christmas, Dr. Uh, David, Mr. Goodrum, thank you. Uh, our next speaker, Stephen Cox, and uh, followed by Tyson Cox. Well, I, I had a lot of notes, uh, and uh, I think I'm better informed now about uh, about the issues, and uh, I, uh, one thing I don't understand is uh, the funding issue. I, I, I will learn about that. And uh, I understand uh, that four lanes can be safer, uh, divided highways are safer, uh, uh, expressways are safer. Uh, this place will never be an expressway. I think, you know, that's part of the problem, and someday perhaps there'll be uh, uh, some sensible way to have four lanes, uh, but it seems like a shame if it would be at 15 all the, all the way through to Maryland, but maybe that's what reality will dictate. Um, uh, I, I approached this meeting uh, wondering just how, with four lanes, I would make, uh, make a turn off limestone, which I use every day, and make the U-turn uh, at, say, Montresor. Uh, people do that now. I've seen people do that. It will be very difficult if there's four lanes. You'll have to, number one, get in the fast lane, get in the turn lane, and then and then finally uh, turn into Montresor, but I suppose you won't be able to make a make a U-turn, so you'll have to uh, face a problematic situation. So I can understand people want thinking it'll produce safety, and maybe it will someday. Uh, if, and I, I would trust the situation a lot more if people uh, would uh, could trust the availability in the future of um, of traffic circles and and a light. It, but I, I right now I'm not trusting that situation, so I'll just shut up. Uh, good night.
Thank you, Mr. Cox. Our next speaker, Tyson Cox, followed by Avis Renshaw. So I got a little more informed on this whole thing as well. Um, it seems like people are talking about safety a lot, and I understand that. We all travel that road. We want to travel and get to our homes alive. But at the same time, if you don't have a planning committee that's transparent with all the issues, uh, I don't know how you expect us to trust you. Um, also, taking a right onto two lanes out of limestone uh, onto Route 15, um, obviously traffic is going to start going faster uh, when it's not super congested. And you want, I mean, imagine your 16-year-old kid taking a right on there within 1,000 feet, getting two lanes over, and then taking a U-turn onto two more lanes of highway coming back. So, I mean, we all want it to be safer, but to not have a clear, concise plan how it's going to be safer for everybody is not fair. Thank you, Mr. Cox. Our next speaker, Avis Renshaw, followed by, uh, I can't tell, Matt and Mr. Mashler. Uh, good evening, commissioners. My name is Avis Renshaw, and I'm here to address 15 uh, being widened north to Montresor Road. I live in Luckett's area, served by Limestone and Hibbler. Uh, my business is in Leesburg, so I travel the entirety of the congested area of 15 seven days a week, often multiple times a day, but not when I can help it. Uh, I have a vested interest in the traffic alleviation. I'm very concerned about my right to fair access to the highway is going to be impacted by the current plan to four-lane to Montresor. I haven't seen specifics on how the egress would happen on Limestone, whether I'd have to cross four lanes of traffic to make a left or do what everybody's talking about going up to Montresor. It would have been helpful if the current plan outlined that in a detail because that's where the devil is. It's in the details. And so you have a bunch of uh, people like us accessing through limestone not knowing what is going to happen. So we don't feel in favor of a plan that we, we don't know if we're screwing ourselves by voting for. Um, uh, I have a farm down Hibbler Road, and I need to get those farm products to Leesburg every day, almost all year round. We've invested a great deal of money in making that farm uh, a viable farming operation, which is difficult in Loudoun County because of the costs involved. Um, the difficult egress onto 15 will affect my future business plans. When I did the online survey, I agreed that it made sense to four-lane to White's Ferry. I thought that's what they were asking me. I assumed that roundabouts would be incorporated into the plan for 15 as they have successfully been implemented at Gilbert's Corner, Route 7 and 9, and in Percival, finally, after several tries. Um, I understand that 287 and 9 is being considered for one, and I don't see anything on the radar for our section of the road. I don't understand that. Um, because it's apparent that the Route 15 North Corridor is not being considered in its entirety, I'd urge you to take this current plan back, rework it to accommodate those of us with rural homes and businesses for whom Route 15 represents our only access uh, to outside the Luckett's area. I'd like it represented when the details have been attended to and can be shown to be effective, cost-appropriate, and rural policy area friendly, and most importantly, safer than the current accessibility, which is, it's dicey, um, just crossing two lanes. Uh, I'm additionally concerned that the application is out of the gate in advance of the envision process and the comprehensive plan process. I understand the potential for money, but 
maybe these things would have helped us get there faster. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Ms. Renshaw. Um, we're going to go with Laura Mashler. Hello, everyone. Um, a couple quick things. Um, I happen to agree that everybody deserves safe access, and that's actually been a really big concern, and I think to the north of Montressor and actually Limestone School Road, that's a very valid concern. Um, I think what we're really talking about here, and I think a lot of people really haven't embraced it, is that right now the county transportation plan doesn't allow for any option to add lanes, period. So despite the number of fatalities or the severe accidents or the road being shut down completely because there's not even shoulders in order for the vehicle to be pulled off, and I think we all this past year, the road had been shut down several times for over two-hour periods. That's just not safe for anybody. So I think the stakeholder group collectively getting ideas from what the folks in the uh, northern end want and what some of the folks in the southern end want is a very, very, very good practice. Um, you know, potentially it is a series of uh, having a signal in certain areas and then maybe you're putting a roundabout, maybe maybe before Luckett's to reduce the speed and to introduce Luckett's as a, a city, as a, as a town, and then maybe there's another roundabout put at the end of Luckett's. So that's, it's premature for us to discuss what those options are, but I think they're all valid concerns, but not a reason to hold up adding this tool to the transportation toolbox. That's absolutely not an option because today, today is the birth date of one of the gentlemen, the two children who lost their life on December 6th, 2006 on Route 15. It is Dustin's 28th birthday. This would be his birthday today. So if you're gonna make a positive move, we're not asking you to make the decisions on how it's done. We have to have faith that people will work together with the diverse needs, and they all have needs. But what I am asking is take this motion and add this tool to the toolbox. And if you want to know what this could look like, look no further than Route 15 South. They're not falling apart over there. They just added four lanes outside the town limits. Go drive that. It's really pretty, it's got nice trails, and it's a good fresh start. And thank you for all of your time. Thank you, Ms. Mashler. Our next speaker is Jem Bingle, followed by Chrissy Goodrum. Good evening, Chairman Salmon and members of the uh, Planning Commission, um, I'm Jem Bingle. I represent the Piedmont Environmental Council, and it has been a very interesting evening and discussion. Um, one thing that uh, I did in rewriting my notes, because they went all over the place, is that um, I think it's important to demonstrate that you hear and respond to all the residents' concerns. A lot of things have been mentioned here this evening. One of the changes that one of the things that I would suggest is a change to the CPAM language, um, specifically to indicate that, um, that the four-lane section not have a specific terminus based on the work that still needs to be done. So indicate that you are looking at four lanes, but clearly there's confusion about, and rightly so, concern about safety issues 
north of White's Ferry Road, when you take it all the way to Montresor, the, the, the further um, issues that come as you look at how do you bring the four-lane and two-lane together, I think are very valid issues. Ideally, this would have been done in a, um, as a whole, as the board had wanted to do, look at the, the, the entire length of um, Route 15. However, they also looked at dividing it so that they could move forward on the so southern part. That's important. Changes need to be made. Nobody argues that point. Um, you want to be able to get funding. I think that this would allow you to do that. However, um, it's really important to publicize the alternatives analysis. Staff has said um, that this is the answer. However, um, the specific results of the modeling for the different alternatives is really important um, because there are lots of little factors that are built into that what, when you have four lanes. Can you do um, roundabouts? Is it in, do you have to have traffic lights? And um, how does the induced traffic part of this issue work? So I will write to you with the rest of my comments, because I'm out of time, and hopefully you will consider a tweak. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Bingo. Our, uh, <clears throat> our next speaker is Chrissy Goodrum. Chrissy is our last speaker to sign up. If you would like to speak, I will ask for comments, but you can always go and fill out a speaker slip now if you like. We heard Christmas, guys. Um, my husband, Dave Goodrum, already spoke. He is the represented stakeholder for Raspberry Falls Homeowners Association. I am the president of Raspberry Falls Homeowners Association. Um, I've lived in uh, Leesburg for 13 years. I've lived in Raspberry Falls for three. Um, it's uh, quite a pleasure and uh, quite painful sometimes to be the president of an HOA. Um, <laughs> Um, when people say they don't know or they haven't heard or they haven't been included, I just kind of roll my eyes uh, because I know that as a president of an HOA, we really go out of our way to try to communicate with our constituents. And so I would see and assume that on a bigger scale for something like this, you're going to have people who say, I didn't hear, I didn't see. But to um, the point that some, some of the people have already made, when you Google this um, topic or whatever search browser you look at, you're going to find a ton of information, good information. And I just want to say, um, Gary Higgins did reach out to me. His office reached out to me early in the year before this began and asked, would I like to serve as a stakeholder? I said no. I said, I recommend that you will get several people from different communities to get involved because I'm a volunteer position. I could get voted out of office, but it's important to have more than one person from each community get involved with this. Um, and uh, in, in addition to serving as the HOA president, I'm also a realtor. I do sell in my neighborhood, and I also serve as the chair of the finance committee for the Dulles Area Association of Realtors. So I do contribute to my community, and I can tell you that not widening Route 15 does impact homeowners' values negatively, and not doing anything will continue to impact homeowners' values negatively. It impacts safety. It impacts access, and it impacts home values, and it makes people not want to live where we are. And that's, that's really critical because we've had, since 2010, 70,000 70, more residents to Loudoun County, and we're projected to have 70,000 more 
residents to Loudoun County within the next 10 years. So not doing anything right now is not a viable option. I really encourage you guys to accept this, move forward, and let the stakeholders committee continue to do the good work and do the details, and people that want to come and participate can, and then you will continue to have people say they weren't included because that just happens, and sorry about that. But Merry Christmas. Thank you guys so much for all your work. I know it's a lot of work. Thank you, Ms. Goodrum, and thank you for your service to the community. Sounds like you need a couple more hobbies. Um, the... Uh, that's the last speaker that's been signed up for uh, to speak on this application. Are there other members of the public that would like to speak on the application? Ms. Umstead. I'm sorry, Supervisor Umstead. No, that's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Chairman Salmon, members, members of the Planning Commission. Um, I just want to say that the citizens of Leesburg who have contacted my office are very much in favor of this moving forward in an expeditious fashion. We have two communities represented on the stakeholders group. One is Potomac Crossing, the other is Exeter. Those folks get backed up uh, every single workday when they're coming home. Many of them find it very difficult to even get to their homes because of the northbound congestion on Route 15. So I would simply like to speak uh, in support of my colleague, Supervisor Higgins, uh, and uh, those citizens who I think everybody here understands something needs to be done, and people have been waiting decades for it. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for your service. Thank you, Supervisor Amstadt. We really appreciate that. Are there any other members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Yes, sir, if you could uh, come to the podium, state your name, and fill out a speaker slip when you're done. I have uh, already filled out my speaker slip. Uh, <clears throat> I understand, uh, you know, there was a couple other meetings regarding this, um, and I understand the woman that just spoke uh, mentioning 70,000 more residents coming to Loudoun County. That is not 70,000 coming in that stretch on 15. I just find it as, uh, somewhat of shocking that the answer for safety is a four-lane highway. When the county has put in numerous roundabouts in other areas on Route 15 and in Round Hill, and that has relieved the congestion. Those are two-lane roads that go into a roundabout. Why is a roundabout not considered? I'm not sure. Maybe it is. Um, big concern, um, as I've brought to my attention this evening, um, every time I came to this board and listened to a business, a new business coming into the area, there was numerous comments about traffic studies. Never seen any outcomes of those traffic studies. Is that what those traffic studies determined? Is it needed to be a four-lane road to Montsource Road? I'm not sure. My next question on that is Supervisor Higgins mentioned about the outreach. I am not in the community. I do not have an HOA that I can listen to and give me feedback. However, I am directly impacted if it is north of Raspberry Falls. For as somebody I think asked the question if there's any private residents that will be impacted, my house literally sits 85 feet from Route 15. So if the projected impact of it going north of Raspberry Falls is 80 feet and an additional feet 
my home will be in the, on the berm of Route 15. So it directly impacts myself. It is an historic home, dates back to 1900, and I understand I'm only one individual of the community. I understand that it needs to be a result of the traffic moving forward. I just feel that in some way, shape, and form that I was not informed enough. I understand, yes, there is something called Google and I could Google something, but also when I bought my house eight years ago and I approached the county and asked them any way, shape, and form, the county told me that in the next 30 years, there is no plans and no future plans of widening or construction on Route 15. And I understand a lot has changed in those eight miles. But with the remaining few seconds, I would like to respect that it is Dustin's birthday, because ironically, my name is Dustin as well, in a, a moment of silence. Thank you. Thank you, sir. If you could fill out this, uh, turn in the speaker slip to Nancy at the, at the end, that'd be great. Any other members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Seeing none, the public hearing is now. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, my name is Joel Mattingly. I'm from Luckett's. I just wanted to lend uh, my voice to support uh, for widening it. Uh, my own personal study, I work uh, in downtown D.C. to DuPont Circle. Uh, I take a commuter bus in. Uh, it is a shorter commute for me to take the commuter bus from D.C. to commuter lot over by the executive airport than it is to go from the executive airport to my home in Luckett's. Uh, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, this is why we have government uh, to serve uh, the people. This isn't something people should have to put up with. I'm an adult. I can handle a, a bad commute. Uh, I think to the gentleman's point earlier, my kids also spend an hour commuting to their school down to Smarts Mill in Tuscarora. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, with the school change, the, the time change, I mean, some of the kids are getting home at 5 o'clock. Uh, that, that's just not conducive. That's not the kind of uh, community I think we want to have. I think that's the community that we want for our kids. Obviously, lots of safety concerns, but I, I think to delay this is to ignore uh, just how bad uh, this, this impacts our community. Thank you. Thanks, sir. If you could fill out a speaker slip and uh, hand it to the uh, uh, Nancy at the end. Okay, any other speakers for this application? Seeing none, the public hearing is now closed. Uh, would staff like an opportunity to uh, respond to some of these comments? Mr. Chairman, we will respond to any questions that the commission has. Okay, any questions of staff at this point? Mr. Commissioner Kearse. Just one for, for clarification. Um, I know the initial one, they said we're looking up to Montressor Road. Is the intent to four-lane to Montressor, or is it more of a matter of to find a point from White's Ferry to Montressor where you would do that, you know, while merging back down to two lanes? The, the board direction that we have is to widen to Montressor. Okay. Other questions? Commissioner Barnes. Uh, I hope... Uh, we can go as we go forward and it looks like we are going forward with this uh, to keep in mind people from come making a left turn from Kiln Road and uh, 
other places because there are a lot of folks live up there. I think that sounds like, a, you know, let's take care of all of us, not just few of us. And I think uh, roundabout, if that's what it takes, and uh, I was uh, not going to vote for it, but uh, I think if you guys can take care of Lime Kelm Road and make sure that they can make a left turn because they do farming up there, and, and it would be pretty hard for them to go down and make a U-turn at Montrose. It's, it's going to be pretty hard. So if you can keep all those folks in mind, and uh, I think I'll be all right with it. Thank you, Mr. Barnes. Mr. Priscilla. Just a couple questions, and I would just want to make sure a lot of the concerns are from folks that aren't represented on the stakeholders group. Find a way to include those folks, a better way, who aren't represented by an HOA. Not being an HOA resident, it's hard. But I looked at the list of, and understandably, most of them are from HOA. Find a better way. Um, that's what I ask you to do. The other is um, I think it might be a better product if you could think about including the stakeholder group past 30% design. Thank you, Mr. Priscilla. Other questions? I guess one of the uh, comments uh, that uh, stuck in my mind was we, we can't we can't four lane Route 15 because it's a scenic road and it'll ruin uh, the scenery. Um, Mr. Moserak, are you familiar with State Road 90005? It's a it's not a trick question. Um, I don't. It, I do not know the number. I'll, I'll uh, tell you. I'll tell you the name. It's called the George Washington Memorial Parkway. I, I am familiar with that. Right. I thought you might be. 71,000 car trips a day. It's a four-lane road. I drive it quite often because I don't want to go down 66 <laughs> um, when I go downtown. Um, and it looks pretty scenic to me. What about you? Uh, it certainly um, has been designed with um, the um, scenic and historic character of that area in mind. In my opinion, it has. Okay. Any other questions? Mr. Shield, this is in the Catoctin District. A broader question is that when you approve a lot of housing developments along a major thoroughfare, you are eventually going to have to change the major thoroughfare, whether one likes it or not. That's the broader historical question. Uh, a lot of the objections have been very specific. Left turn, traffic circle, uh, access, and these are questions that will be resolved in the future. But we've got to move ahead with this with the broader obligation that is before us and that we have funds now to access. So with that, if I can find where I am, I move that the Planning Commission 
forward CPAM 2017-0002, Countywide Transportation Plan Amendment Route 15 as provided in Attachment 3 to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval. So motion on the floor, is there a second? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Priscilla. Um, I guess we'll ask for comments now before the vote. Do you have any comments? Any other comments? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes 9-0, thank you very much. Our next application is ZRTD 2017-0009, Dulles Town Business Center in the Sterling District. Welcome, Mr. Hancock. Mr. Hancock, uh, if you're not ready, we can take a, a couple minute break because it's probably you about. You want to do that? Yeah, sure. let's do that. We'll take we'll take a ten minute break. Uh, that means nine oh two.
Okay, welcome back. Okay, welcome back. We're going to move forward. Our next application is ZRTD uh, 2017-0009, Dulles Town Center Business Center. Dulles Town Business Center in the Sterling District. Mr. Hancock. Yes, thank you, uh, Planning Commissioners. This item before you is a ZRTD. It's only a, a conversion to the most current uh, revised 93 zoning ordinance. The site is about 20 acres, as you see on the map here. Um, it's on Marie's Road, just to the south. Uh, just before Marie's Road um, empties out into the greater uh, Dulles commercial area. There's industrial properties around it. It's currently zoned PDIP. It is basically undeveloped. Um, as I mentioned, it's 20 acres. Um, and they were looking to convert to the revised 93 zoning ordinance as amended uh, back in 2006. It was converted to the revised 93 ordinance, but unfortunately not as amended. And so it was locked in time to that date in January 2006. There is no accompanying development with this. Originally, there were a couple applications that were co-applicants. Uh, those have been dropped. Uh, there is an existing proffer for Marie's Road frontage and dedication of right-of-way, which will still apply. Uh, this project does include a six-foot-wide sidewalk. There were a couple changes to this. Uh, a few items noted in the staff report. We have been able to satisfactorily uh, address those with the applicant. Uh, there were revised proffers that were provided to you so that we can keep clear what a ZRTD process can do and what a ZCPA process could do. Um, and with that, we do recommend approval subject to those December 14th, 2017 proffers, which you have previously received. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Mr. Hancock, does the applicant have a presentation? Uh, good evening, Chairman Sandman, members of the Planning Commission. Uh, my name is Michael Romey. I'm land use planner with Walsh Colucci. For the record, the affidavit for million posting has been submitted. Uh, I just want to wish you all happy holidays. And I'd like to simply uh, follow up on Rick's point. Uh, we did have a number of different applications as part of this application, but we had a new owner come in in the middle of the process, and therefore those uh, applications were no longer needed. Uh, I would just like to state that the ZRTD is in conformance with plan policy, and the new owner is looking forward to move, uh, moving forward with this site quickly. I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Great. Thank you, Mr. Rumi. Are there any questions for the staff or the applicant? Yes, Commissioner Shield. Was that the site of the old Noakes graveyard, or was I mistaken? Uh, I don't believe it is. So I was able to talk to Heidi, however, not that much before she left on vacation. We did receive a, a referral from her team, um, and there were no uh, historic uh, uh, resources uh, noted for that. No, I, I realize that. I, 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 what I'm trying to say is, was it once the site? Because I think if it once was it would be nice to have a historical marker yeah and, and unfortunately i was not able to get a definitive answer on that well i'd like for this that the romeo to put that in your pocket and smoke it <laughs> mr okay. romeo do you have any uh, do you have any comments about the first the first question not the second comment um i would only add that as part as typically as part of the zrtd application you don't need to do a phase one archaeological study however because we had the additional applications originally, we did do a phase one archaeological study for this site. There was no reference to that cemetery within our study. I would think that even if there wasn't a remnant of it on the site, it would have been referenced in the study, and it was not. It was removed years ago. 
but I just thought that maybe a historical marker might be apropos. And I'm trying to think, this is way before Heidi was even here, probably before she was born. But anyway, um, just a thought, that's all. And I'm not going to take it any further. Mr. Sheila, if we are able to find any documentation of such a uh, uh, graveyard, uh, I'm sure we can deliver that to the uh, owner of the property and let him make a decision on what to do. Any other questions of staff or the applicant? Okay. Uh, we are in public hearing. We do have one speaker signed up to speak, Michael Williams. Okay. So you, I'm sorry. So you said if they're not going to build anything, you do not need to have any. Uh... Okay. Uh, we will remove your public hearing. Are there any other members of the public that would like to speak on this application? Seeing none, the public hearing is now closed. This is in the Sterling District. Commissioner Lloyd. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I move that the Planning Commission forward ZRTD 2017-0009 Dulles Town Business Center to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval subject to the proffer statement dated December 14th, 2017 and based on the findings for approval, attachment two in the December 19th, 2017 Planning Commission Public Hearing Staff Report. Second. Seconded by Commissioner Sisley. Any other uh, comments or questions? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes 801 with Commissioner Barnes' absence. Thank you very much. Our next application is ZMAP 2017-004, Quarry Commerce Center in the Dulles District. Welcome back, Mr. Hancock. Excuse me. Yes, uh, good to see you, Planning Commissioners. This item is a 44-acre site that's located north of uh, Route 50 or John Mosby Highway. It's a little bit to the, let's say, the west of the Loudoun County Fairfax uh, border, uh, just to the west as well from Pleasant Valley Road. Uh, to the further west from this site is the uh, Chantilly Crushed Stone Quarry. Um, hence kind of the name and the title there. Um, to the south are other properties which are in the CLI zone. Um, and to the east are property in other industrially zoned properties. This, this proposal uh, would take the side, as you see on the map there, from this split zone between the mineral resource and heavy industry uh, and also the commercial light industry zones to a planned development general industry for the purpose of developing almost 600,000 square feet of data center uses. Um, there's a variety of things that they've done with the site and looking at it and the trees that are along Route 50 and trying to keep those as much as possible. Uh, the Arcola area Route 50 corridor plan does identify this area as industrial and for industrial uses. Um, also, the applicant has committed to uh, being subject to zoning standards, which are not typically required in the PDGI zone. So the standards for data centers in 5664 uh, don't apply to PDGI zone, but they have voluntarily accepted that 
to try and make a better project. Um, also, they accommodate uh, Route 50 becoming a limited access highway sometime in the future. Um, there are a few other items that have, we've uh, reached an agreement with the applicant, um, and that relates mostly to language on talking about relocating that existing shared use path. Um, uh, it's an existing shared use path, but they're making a right turn lane into the site, so it needs to move over a little bit, just being clear on that. And then also uh, a, an issue was brought up where there might be a conflict between the Type 5 buffer requirements and the tree save area along Route 50 included in your uh, concept development plan. And so that's, that area is going to have to get moved back. Here I've got the actual concept development plan for your review. Hopefully I've got a little legend off to the side where you can see stuff. The site does have a variety of environmental constraints there. And uh, staff feels that the applicant has uh, gone out of their way to protect or at least observe those areas uh, which are of most importance, that being the trees along the front and also the uh, stream and wetlands, and then also the uh, stream along the back, uh, providing oversized uh, stormwater ponds uh, to help uh, alleviate downstream flooding. Um, down on the bottom, there's a red line that's approximately 100 feet back, and that's where that tree save area would be pulled back to. Uh, again, those trees would be protected as much as possible under the Type 5 standards, um, but to avoid any conflict between those zoning requirements and, and the applicant's intent of protecting those trees, uh, that area will have to be moved. Uh, with that, staff does uh, conclude its presentation recommending that you support this project to the board. I'll be happy to answer any questions. Thank you, Mr. Hancock. Does the applicant have a presentation? Is currently, time is currently sent to two minutes and 30 seconds. I'm going to try to fly through this. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Maybe if you don't interrupt, I'll get it done. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. Happy Festivus for those of you that celebrate Festivus. My name is Colleen Gillis. I'm an attorney with Cooley, and I'm here tonight uh, on behalf of the Quarry Commerce Center application. Rick obviously already overviewed the location of the site. Just gives you a different perspective here, an aerial view of what that, what that site, is, where it's located and what it's surrounded by. You can see all of the industrial uses that flank it to the north and to the east. And we're rezoning it out of two districts, mineral resources, heavy industry, getting rid of that, obviously eliminating the quarrying use, and, um, and putting it into PDGI. We're excited about this opportunity because, as Rick already said, we're doing a lot to protect the environment here. Uh, almost 600,000 square feet of data center uses. We are, we are restricting our uses to data center uses. And we've located, it's hard to see here, we've located parking and loading to the back side of the property, so it's not located right on route right on Route 50. In addition to not being located right on Route 50, we've got all of those trees in the front that are blocking it. And then you can see the two arrows that are here as two possible access points should the access to 50 be closed and a parallel road network be constructed by the county in the future. We've already accommodated that possibility. This just gives you some sense for what the views will look like along Route 50. Um, and these views uh, up at the north, you can see those existing trees. As Rick mentioned, we're gonna pull some of those trees back. Uh, to, to, being to be consistent with the Type 5 buffer, um, but you get a sense for how heavy that tree cover is right now and protecting the view from passerbys of, uh, of data centers, and we're excited about that. This is the architecture and design. As Rick mentioned, we're committing voluntarily to the data center standards. 
for that are set forth in the ordinance for other zoning districts, but we're volunteering to commit to them here. And what that'll yield is uh, designs of the buildings like what you'll see here. What's interesting is is that the longer elevations you see on the top and the in the middle of this slide likely will not be seen by many, many people who will drive right by this site because what they will see is, you know, is the shortest side of the building. We've really tried to orient these buildings to present the shortest side to the possible passerbys. But even for those who are walking into the data center, they'll get these very attractive uh, views of the data center. Uh, as uh, Rick also mentioned, environmentally sensitive, we've got a number of tree conservation areas. Uh, we are also working with the county on a river on complying with the river and stream corridor management buffer, LID, BMPs, ENS, um, you name it, we're doing it, and our retention ponds are enhanced over what would ordinarily be called for. And with that, I'm happy to answer any questions, but we hope that you uh, are so uh, so willing to support this this evening. Thank you. All right, any questions of staff for the applicant? No? Go ahead. So uh, how much open space is there with this data center park? Roughly 17 acres of open space over a 44-acre site. It's not 70%. If you're asking me if it's 70%, you it's do not. do 60%? No. Oh, okay. um, can, you, can you go back to the uh, uh, plat? I'm sorry, any other questions? Um, can you go back to the uh, plat where it's got the 50-foot? That's good. That's good right there. So... Um, can you just talk to me about what you had to change on the 50 foot on the on the 100 foot type 5 buffer? You're not changing anything or you are changing something? My understanding is that technically they're not really changing anything other than the line on the map. Um, so what we have here are some potential conflicts as the way the zoning ordinance is currently written for the type 5 standard whereas you can't have the type 5 standard overlap with the tree save area. I don't understand why. This is what they're telling me. And so even though, so in order to avoid that, because there isn't a, a modification requested here, it has to move back to avoid that type 5 buffer. What, what that means is, is, that, is, is that within that area, we will likely not touch those trees, but we have the opportunity to touch them so that we can come into further, a greater compliance with the Type 5 buffer. Okay, works for me. Any other questions? All right, uh, we are in public comment. Are there any members of the public that would like to speak on this application? You sure? I mean, you sure? Okay, uh, the, uh, public the public comment period is uh, closed. Uh, this is in the Dulles District. How about that? Oh, I have one more question before I make a motion. Um, this is in close proximity to an existing uh, power substation. Uh, is there any need to um, utilize in an, another power substation to meet the power needs of this application? Yeah, Commissioner Salmon, Drew Johnson with the owner. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, it's all existing infrastructure that they're already under construction that will support this um, this uh, project. Okay, and as you're probably not going to yank 230 volts off the power lines in front of Mr. Hoy's property, you'll have to get the power from across the street. Um, is that going to be overhead or is that going to be underground? Underground. Okay, so you're going to get underground. All your power will come from underground. 
um, on this application. Correct. Okay. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, Mr. Priscilla, did you have a question? Although the site lacks uh, sufficient open space, I am a supporter of data centers in quarry overlay districts and adjacent to airport impact overlay districts. Let me write that down. That's great to know. Thank you, Mr. Priscilla. Uh, with that, I move that the Planning Commission forward ZMAP 2017-0004 Quarry Commerce Center to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval subject to the proper statement dated November 15th, 2017, also known as Attachment 1, and based on the findings for approval in Attachment 2 in the December 19, 2017 Planning Commission Public Hearing Staff Report. Is there a second? Seconded by Commissioner Sisley. Uh, any comments? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes 801 with Commissioner Barnes absence. Thank, Thank you, you so much. See you Merry guys next Christmas year. Merry Christmas and happy uh, Festivus. Festivus well. for the rest I of think us. That's my favorite. So, and we will see you in the new year. Okay, the uh, next application, special exception 2015 0002, Happy Hounds Lodge, uh, has been deferred to a future uh, public uh, hearing uh, committee meeting. And the work session item, ZMAP 2016-0022, ZRTD 2016-0013, Special Exception 2016-0064, High Point East, uh, is also being deferred to the uh, uh, next uh, Planning Commission work session item. Uh, with that, I believe we're done. Mr. Mearthew, any other items for the commission? Well, sir, just uh, remind you that at your next work session in January, you'll be electing a new executive. I suggest you all think very hard about that. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Merry Christmas to everyone. And I uh, am happy. That's okay. Um, thanks, everybody, for your uh, uh, service this year. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate the honor of uh, uh, chairing the, uh, the body. With that, we are adjourned. With that, we are adjourned.